0: welcome
1: auburn into the tuesday edition of sports call live on tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app my name is ryan lavoie the proud host of the show today i've got mr brooks childress and mr tom Peavy with me here on this Tuesday afternoon, as we're going to have a, a good show planned for you here this afternoon. Throughout this week, we're going through the different Power 5 conferences and giving you the over-under win totals. And so yesterday, we did the Southeastern Conference. Today, we're going to do the Pac-12 Conference, so we'll go through that a little bit later today. Have some uh, news from the college football world to talk about, including uh, including the news about Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and penalties that are alleged to him and to Michigan there. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit. Yesterday we we were going to talk a little bit about the, the two relief pitchers the Braves added, did not uh, have time to do that, so we'll try to get that in today. And also want to give you the figures again on that uh, Killian Mbappe contract just because even though we know we don't talk much soccer here, the sheer amount of money he's making, we want to just compare it to some other notable contract figure, so we'll do that at some point today. Also have birthdays in sports as always, nightly TV guy as always. Also the Thunder Chickens return to, tonight, two more uh, at 7.30 and 8.30 tonight. Two more opportunities to try to cluck up our first win. Uh, again, don't love our chances, but we're going to go compete, that's for sure. But again, fun show planned for you here this afternoon. Of course, you can join us on the Auburn Make phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one eight nine. Tiger 9, Ryan, Brooks, and Tom with you here on this Tuesday. We'll start with you, Tom. How are you doing this afternoon?
2: Uh, I'm doing great. i been running around town getting some errands done, adulting as they call it. So, uh, But, yeah, doing it, doing great. and A lot of different stuff to talk about in the football world and uh, kind of ready to dive into this little Pac-12 deal and see who's good, who's not. And, of course, that has a little bit of effect on Auburn since there is a team there that the Tigers are going to play uh braves back in into it today uh at boston or are they home uh at, at it is boston, at boston yeah, at i definitely. knew they got i knew they had a series with the red sox so uh see if they can kind of keep their winning ways going still kind of keeping a track on uh on the recruiting situation and seeing what may or may not happen tomorrow potentially um still just a lot of chatter out there but nobody really willing to go one way or the other but it is interesting to see what happens there so uh, yeah, a lot, lot to get into and ready to get to talking about it. And yay, Thunder Chicken's ready to get on the field tonight.
1: Cluck up, cluck up cluck tonight. up. And then Brooks Childress also on the show this afternoon, also a proud Thunder Chicken. How are you this afternoon?
3: Uh, proud is a is a loose term I'd use there. a participant there. on the, I Thunder am a participant Chickens. Of the Thunder Chickens. Yeah, uh, had a great weekend uh, after SEC media days last week. Got to be got a, some relaxing in. Uh, went, uh, got some shopping done on tax free weekends. so I was out and about. Um, and it was it was a good weekend uh, and then you know getting ready f- here for Thunder Chickens softball again tonight a uh, couple weeks off. it, it feels like we uh, for at least for me, I can't play two weeks in a row. It, it feels like some somehow it's always been uh, play a week, off a week, play a week, off a week. Uh, so hopefully that uh doesn't continue because we want to get the the season done in a in a good uh, good amount of time and not have to keep going. Uh, late into the the month of August And into September Like we did a couple years ago uh, But yeah Braves are back tonight Can't wait to uh, to check the the guys out The two game series Quick two game series up at Fenway Before uh, returning back to Truist This weekend Take on the Brewers Back to back weekends Against the Brewers Whoa, for that's weird I know For the Braves And so can't wait to talk about uh, The Braves Can't wait to get into More college football talk As we uh, inch our way Closer and closer To the college football season Here at the end of next month month and uh yeah i can't wait to talk to all of our callers as well it's going to be a great uh great tuesday here on sports call
1: yeah uh look well i think the the good news is the season is not being um slowed up with the thunder shaking so far no rain i would be absolutely shocked that there's any rain today That's not uh, there, forecasted there was only a five percent chance you don't need the knock on just, i'm gonna go ahead and confidently in, I, tell you
3: i did it just to be safe there
1: is only one drop of rain in the entire state of Alabama, and it's just south of Foley. That's it. Two five one. So again, I told you five percent today. Uh, it's not raining, and I don't think it will. So we're going to keep powering through our Thunder Chicken season. So far, so good on the the weather front. Of course, no no guarantees from next week. I'm not going to be that bullish, but uh, today I feel very good about us playing too uh, this evening at seven thirty and eight thirty. Let's start today's show though uh, with the news from college football, uh, and that is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and Michigan committing some level one violations when he lied to NCAA investigators and there's kind of been a mutual agreement that has been alleged it's not official yet but an agreement to suspend him for the first four games of the 2023 season. Again the investigation was centering around some stuff during the COVID recruiting periods And some contact with recruits, some texts that that uh, were not permissible at that time. Also, um, you know, a staff or some some coaching staff that was not supposed to be coaching at a particular time. Some procedural stuff that were really level two violations, not as serious as level one. Uh, But the level one violations came in when Harbaugh lied about it. So, again, the projection is suspended for the first four games of the year. And I'll tell you what, just an absolute smorgasbord of of difficulty uh, for Michigan these first four games. Listen listen to this that he's going to have to sit out. East Carolina, I mean, they're pirates. You know, you got to be careful. Uh, UNLV Rebels, they'll rebel. Mm. That's tough. Bowling Green Falcons, they'll get you from above. Wow. And Rutgers, Scarlet Knights, and they're automatically more intimidating because they've got Scarlet instead of just being regular old Knights. So the color makes them more intimidating. That is not exactly a uh, a big four games right? for for Michigan to miss. Again, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers. I mean, you only play three non-conference games in the Big Ten. And Michigan, a lot of the Big Ten teams, not all, but uh, some have opted for uh, no big Power Five contest, and Michigan certainly one of them. As I would rate, probably East Carolina as their most difficult non uh, or not yeah non conference game. So, what do you make of the Jim Harbaugh situation? Do you do you think it's a completely separate deal than Tennessee, where we saw uh, a huge show cause for Jeremy Pruitt, uh, saw some scholarship production, did not see really many penalties for the current time. They had way many more. Uh, level one violation. So, so do you compare those at all, or are they just comp- two separate things for you? And just what do you think about this uh, Jim Harbaugh news? I mean, it, it just on face value, it seems odd that you know
2: you're going to suspend Harbaugh for that for that period of time, but you have not done any suspensions with Tennessee. Well, it's also kind of hard to do that Tennessee because he's not there. So, right. you, I mean, that's why
1: you put the long show calls in. Sure, you put the, the long show there.
2: calls on it. So technically, he is kind of suspended because he. They're not allowing him to coach anywhere right now. Um, uh, you know, uh, I I think if you're if you're Michigan and you know that you messed up with those, I mean, you kind of take the four games and it's like, hey, we'll, you know, we messed up, we'll handle it. And, and especially because of the four games, it is it shouldn't matter who's at I could probably go out there and coach Michigan and win those games. So um, halfback dive, sure, halfback dive, <laughs> yeah, halfback ta- dive, yeah. Ta- tackle the smaller guy, yeah, the right. smaller team with the ball. Right, You know, but uh, NCAA, it seems like they like to get their teeth on something when somebody lies to them. It's kind of how it feels. You, Hello, Bruce Pearl. Right. Um, And so, I mean, if if there were, I I think they may have been able to avoid some stuff if they were, if, if Harbaugh had just been factual with them and had not lied about what was going on. I think the lying part of it is what got the punishment. Clearly. Uh, So so note to all coaches and staffs out there, don't lie to the NCAA.
1: Right. And I I think here, my only question be and and there's been pretty detailed stories about it, no one is really hinting at this. This is just the way my brain works. You know, either one of two things with why Harbaugh's lying, right? One, he's just being stupid, right? And he's trying to cover up any. maybe not understanding that the Level 2 violations are really not that serious. There's nothing really long-term or significant that's going to be handed down by the NCAA, even if you crew several Level 2 violations. So, one, he just not understanding that, you know, look, yes, you were doing some wrong here. Maybe you thought you'd get away with it if you lied. But really, like, just tell the truth. You're not going to have a bunch of scholarship production, certainly no bowl ban or anything egregious like that. You're going to be all right. Uh, Or two, he's covering up something bigger. And we know college athletics, sometimes there is a uh, a tendency to try to cover up some some big things and and some things that go on that obviously the NCAA looks the other way towards or we don't try to – or or, those don't try to – uh, uncover as clearly or as deeply, you know, again, what you know, as long as you don't flaunt it type of thing and it's is not going to go calling and so yeah, it makes you makes me wonder too if there's a possibility that there's even deeper stuff there at Michigan and and that Harbaugh was thinking they were going to, on the cusp of getting to and and again, that's that's just speculation. That's just one of the two options that I'm thinking about in my head, but again, I, you know I'm someone that at all possible. I just think that that honesty is the way to go. And if you're just covering up a few mum two you know level two violations that aren't that serious that, that the the logical thing there in my opinion is not to lie. You just you come clean with it. You, you take the the small if even a slap on the wrist, something very small, the whole suspension is clearly because he lied. and that is a level lying is a level one. Uh, violation and and so that's why they've got that i don't to my knowledge there's no lying or anything going on at tennessee other than just clear rule breaking with pruitt and that sort of thing but the current administration was was forthcoming with what they knew and that sort of thing now there was a lot more overall level one violations that's why there's scholarship production that's why some people were were hinting at should they should they get a year bull ban or something like that how do you penalized the current staff versus the old staff, the very long was it the five year Jeremy Pruitt? Was it five years for the uh show costs? Yeah, something so. like that, which is it's a pretty long. I mean, it's I guess it's somewhat standard, but still, I mean that's a, a decent amount of time. And so I, I think that they are pretty different cases because I know the temptation would be, well, Harbaugh got suspended, but what they did is way less. Yeah, but you, you also lied and it's also, as Tom pointed out, it's this staff. If Pruitt was still At Tennessee, I bet they I would I'll go on record saying I think they would have gotten a bull ban. Six year show cause. Six year show cause. I think they would have gotten a bull ban and Pruitt was still there. But he's not there, and you're drawing that line on trying to have things affect the university to some degree, but more more so the the people that had the wrongdoings. You're you're trying to penalize them, and that's why Pruitt had or has this really long show cause, whereas uh, you know Harbaugh is the Michigan coach and he's going to be the Michigan coach and so you have the right to penalize that staff and instead of mass scholarship reduction or something like that for, for some level one violations it can be very direct because it was not players that were lying it was the coach so you can penalize the coach in particular so I actually think uh, I actually think this penalty makes sense because it is not, even though there were some recruiting violations, The recruiting violations were level two. So you don't have right. to go to the scholarship production route because it wasn't deep dive into into the recruiting aspect. It was the act of lying, which, again, is it, that the only one controlling that is Harbaugh. And so you have a clear penalty that can punish him specifically without the rest of the program or other elements of the program. And so to me, this actually makes sense because it is a lot different. Brooks, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the – on the situation as a whole.
3: Um I mean it it's it feels like it's this is a good uh, Michigan you know when they when they're negotiating this Four game suspension. They looked at their schedules like, yeah, I think we can afford to to lose the head coach for these four games. Um, what would be hilarious is his first game back is a road game at Nebraska. If they were to trip up and lose that, and <laughs> for Matt Rule's first uh, big win of his uh, tenure at Nebraska. But yeah, I mean, it. I, I can. I definitely can see the the side that you're you the the side that you brought up that they he could be trying to cover up something bigger that hap- that's happened there. Um, but even if there is something bigger there, the NCAA is not going to do about it, anything about it for like three years if they found out about it. I mean, it, it just takes forever for the NCAA to, to all these out. And they got this this stuff last year, I think, was the notice of allegations uh, when they sent these to Michigan. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it's it, it it does. I think it does a good job of um, of uh, punishing the person that was involved in it and not the program as a whole because it if you know you look at it it was Harbaugh that sent the you know it was like what text messages to a uh, to recruits during covid they didn't reach out to him the the recruits didn't reach out to him they he he texted them it was like hey what's up you know i don't know exactly what he says hey recruit you up um <laughs> but it, it's it's uh it punishes Harbaugh without punishing the program as a whole because you know the, the the assistant coaches there maybe they knew about it maybe they didn't the players there probably didn't know that he's out here you know texting recruits during COVID and so I I, I do like that I'm I want to bring up again the 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 way you know how long it takes the NCAA to to dole out some of these um some of these punishments. And it, it, I don't know, you know, again, don't know how you, how you could fix it, but I think the NCAA needs to, to learn stuff from the pro leagues because you see, I saw it, uh, yes, was it yesterday or the day before, where there was uh, the NFL suspended somebody for gambling, and went they that was pretty quick. The the NFL, MLB, NBA, when they get something like you broke a rule, boom. It's almost it, It's within a um, you know very short amount of time that they're announcing a suspension, uh, or or a punishment or something, and then you do have a, a chance to appeal it. And you know it, it's that that's the NCAA gives you a chance to appeal stuff, but it's like you get the notice of allegations, then you form your your defense against it, then you present it. Then it's not it. It could be more streamlined. Like you could we we could have said, hey, Jim. We know you You sent text messages last year when they sent the notice of allegation, said, Hey Jim, this is what we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, say, you know, suspend you for six games. And then Jim Harbaugh could come back and say, you know what? No, let, can I appeal it now? Yes. What do you want to get? And then, then go through it. Don't sit on it for, don't sit on it for a year. Don't, you know, it, it's, something's got to be just more streamlined with the NCAA. I, I know I bring it up every single time. Sure. There's some sort of NCAA stuff. But it just seems like the pro leagues have it figured out, and the NCAA is like can't see what they're doing. They're holding their hand up. I don't know what they're doing over there.
1: I don't think they want – so, I mean, we can get into discussion of what the NCAA wants deep down. I don't think they want deep down their biggest programs to be to be punished. You know, like I don't think that they – uh, at the end of the day, they they don't want there to be a problem. They're not going and looking for problems. Now that's not to say the professional leagues are, but there's also just inherently less problems in the professional leagues. Like sure. you can argue there's some some maybe a little collusion going on amongst agents and players and that sort of thing when they try to try to shift teams all the time. They demand trades and that sort of thing in, in the tampering. NBA. You know, a little tampering there. So that that would be that version of it. But I mean, we've got. Almost every big recruit is getting stuff that is probably not allowed, especially not before NIL, but now it's probably being intended in the wrong way, so it's still technically not not going for what the NCAA is wanting to have happen. So that's a, like every big recruit. And even some three-star. I mean, there's hundreds each cycle – on top of now the transfer players that are now hundreds each year. And so do you possibly have a 1,000 cases of guys that are actually receiving something that's not permissible in the NCAA's eyes? There's almost no way to police all that, and I think the teams also know it. So that's why the NCAA or part of the reason why. And Look, again, I mentioned the brand part of it too, but I think also the realistic reason is, that they would have too much to investigate. It's gotten too out of hand. It's a corrupt system. I mean, I just I I look, I know we don't want live in the want to live in the world where everything is done right and blah blah, blah but that's not that it's not real life. And I, I think that they're probably having a lot of cases just too many for them to handle, too much to pay for. You also got to remember these leagues, these professional leagues make more money. So they have huge DVD deals and and that sort of thing. They in general make more money. They commit these resources to investigating a smaller pool to investigate from. It's it's a it's kind of a different ballgame. And I know this sounds like a defense of the NCAA, but the the crux of the issue here is actually that it's gotten too out of hand for them. So don't don't take it around like I'm defending the NCAA. I'm not. I'm just explaining why. I think that things get out of hand is because they let everything get out get out of hand, and it's too much at this point to police, and uh, it's just they have to pick and choose their battles. Even then, they take uh, gobs of gobs and gobs of time.
3: I guess the the real the real question I'm asking, and I, I I love everything you just said. I guess the real question I'm asking is, you know the 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 NFL. And I'm not saying the NCAA needs to go hunting down all these allegations and everything like, uh, you know, like the NFL does or the the MLB does. But, you know, when the MLB or NFL, they've they you're like, we caught you or you've you've done something wrong. Here's your suspension immediately. Right. Why? Why can't the NCAA do that? Why can't it be, you know, Jim Harbaugh, we know you texted people. Here's your suspension. And then you get to appeal. it. It's
1: like more investigation is required. Yeah or more and certainly more investigation is done i i don't know if it's because once they once they get into that they have to observe everyone's recruit okay if there's a recruiting violation does it is it just one player that at that or is it just one coach there there might be more ambiguity to everything going on where in the professional level it's like this we've got we've got evidence this person bets and, you know, look, you could argue, well, why wouldn't they then ask teammates about it and try and investigate that? They could, um, that, that if they wanted to do the same type of thing. But I think that they are different mindsets where, again, if you awake the sleeping giant of the NCAA with an investigation, they're going to try and do everything, do every investigation they can. Whereas the professional leagues maybe are, are very micro focused, they're very. Just that issue. We're not trying, and and there is some overlap in what I'm about to say. They're not trying to find more issues, right? Like the NCAA just on an everyday basis is not hunting issues, it appears. And I think that once there's an issue in the NFL or NBA or something, again, they're not hunting more. Like when Dallas lost a draft pick for kind of tanking. Now, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of a black and white issue. They investigated real quickly is Dallas purposely losing these games instead of trying to make the plan to keep their draft pick? The answer was yes. And once they found the answer, there wasn't like other 29 teams involved. Yeah. It was just Dallas. It was just that. Did they try to lose those games? Yes, they did. All right, we're going to take their draft pick or they're going to take a second-round pick away from them since you were trying to, trying to tank there, and we hate tanking. So sometimes those issues are just more black and white for them. But um, it, it is something that's always going to be – I think, irking people uh, like us because it will always take time. And we have talked earlier in the Tennessee deal that we kind of forgot that was even going on. I mean, we we made all the jokes on show about the show about the McDonald's bags and all that, just like everyone else did when that allegedly came out. And then you still, you kind of just move on with your day type of deal. And when the Pruitt stuff came back up, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. They never actually gave him a penalty for that. Will Wade took, Will Wade was about as, as as black and white as it could get because he was on tape. We all heard. The, the violation was heard for all of us to hear, and yet the, the, the it still took a year or two to investigate it all because, again, I think the NCAA was trying to maybe dig more and find more. I mean, again, I, I'm i not going to pretend to know everything about the NCAA and their dealings, but they do cr- clearly make it more complicated sometimes than it has to be, but, um, again, if as long as you don't flash anything they're not going to be like hey that's a mighty fine five star recruit you just got there how about we uh, check the phone records out i mean if they did that again it would it would way too many resources way too much time and again the schools know this you're policing a hundred and some schools Whereas these other leagues are placing 30, 32 teams. And and again, the, the processes are different to begin with anyway, because of the drafts, free agency, et cetera. There's just not the the scope is just not as large in, in professional sports as it is in collegiate sports. Good conversation right there. We need to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll get to today's birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of sports call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs>
0: Have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi
4: my name is what my name is my name is
0: sports call on tiger
5: 95.9
0: i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Of course, if you miss anything at all, you can check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. I've gone back-to-back vanilla Cokes for my drink offerings. Last night, I went to the movie theater, saw Mission Impossible 7. Very, very good.
3: I was about to ask. Good.
1: Uh, very, very good. Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, Tom Cruise does not miss with the action movies these days. And then I had vanilla coke at lunch today, so I'm uh, I'm enjoying the the coke products. That is for sure, sir. Before we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, let's get to today's birthdays
0: and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports.
1: <laughs> All right, birthdays in sports today. We'll start off with Bryce Young, who turns 22, former number one or now the number one overall pick out of the University of Alabama. Originally from. Oh, nothing? Th- uh, yeah. yeah, we're not saying that one yeah. time, all right? No. Uh, he's originally from Santa Ana, California, where he attended modern day high school. The Monarchs. Monarchs, monarchs okay. Like the butterfly
3: the- or the, the royalty? Like the royalty, okay. Okay,
1: nice. While at Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner, first-team All-SEC, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, Maxwell Award winner, and the Davey O'Brien Award winner. He's also a consensus All-American, and April Young was selected with the first overall pick by the Carolina Panthers, who traded up to get him. Bryce Young turns 22 today. Pretty good quarterback. Billy Wagner turns 52. Nicknamed Billy the Kid, played for 16 seasons. His longest tenure was with the Houston Astros, but he also played for the New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, Boston Red Sox, and Atlanta Braves. Wagner is one of only eight major league relief pitchers to accumulate at least 400 career saves, ended his career with a 2.31 ERA and over 1,100 strikeouts. From
2: Tazewell, Virginia, Tazewell High School, go Bulldogs. Not a lot of looks from him, so he went to Ferrum College in Virginia. Go, Go Panthers. Panthers. Hey, you know, hey, you, know yeah. you some
1: Ferrum.
3: Ferrum College. How did
1: you know that? Did you look it up?
3: I may have looked it up.
1: Okay, ah. that's No then, shame uh, in that. I just I thought you genuinely just knew that for the heck of The
2: Ferrum Panthers, baby. Ferrum Panthers. And then he uh, went to the Brewster Whitecaps of the Cape Cod League for summer ball, and that's where he uh, really kind of got noticed and
1: was drafted. So... Tazewell Bulldogs, Ferrum Panthers, and the Brewster Whitecaps. Billy Wagner is probably my favorite closer of all time. I know he, for a lot of it, he pitched on teams I did not like, of course, finished with the Braves at the end. Uh, But he was, again, at a time when 95, 96, 97 was not as common as he came up in the early 2000s. He was just throwing gas from the left-handed side. Again, a career 2.31 ERA, so he did not get hit very often. Really loved to watch Billy Wagner. Gerard Warren turns 45, former defensive tackle in the NFL. Warren spent his collegiate career at the University of Florida. Go Gators. As a Gator, he had a successful career as a second-team All-American, was also two-time second-team All-SEC selection, selected third overall in the 2001 NFL Draft. Throughout his 11-year playing career, he had 335 tackles and 36.5 sacks. Yep. From Lake Butler, Florida, he attended Union County High
2: School Fighting Tigers. Fighting Tigers. They also were purple and gold. So he went from purple and gold, Fighting Tigers, and did not go to LSU. He went to Florida. Yeah, they're trying to
1: predispose
2: him to that. Another famous alum from Union County High School, C.J. Spiller.
1: Nice. Okay. Who also did not go to LSU, but he went to another kind He went to another Tigers, yeah. Kenny Thomas turns 46 today Thomas former forward in the NBA played 11 seasons started out at the University of New Mexico go Lobos you sound like you've had a little doubt there but you're right where he ranks second all time in points leads the school's list in career rebounds with over a thousand Thomas is one of eight Lobos to get selected as an All-American selected 22nd overall in the 1999 NBA draft was one of only 11 players to average a double double for the 2003-2004 season that's a fun nugget right there Yep. Kenny Thomas is forty-six today. He started his high school career in El Paso,
2: Texas, at Stephen F. Austin High School for three seasons. Go Golden Panthers! Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he played at Albuquerque High School. Go Bulldogs!
1: Oh, that no. we were at least putting some some something in front of these generic names, and then we went yep. back. And yeah, got, 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 got a, a that's bulldog. two yeah two
2: Bulldogs on this list, a Panthers, a Golden Panthers, right. But, we, but do we do have a
1: Monarch. Tiger. But we I do see, have a Monarch. Yeah. The, monarchs. the monarchs, monarchs is probably the best good. one. It, yeah, absolutely is. So Bryce Young, 22. Yeah. Billy Wagner, 52. Gerard Warren, 45. Kenny Thomas, 46. Those are the birthdays in sports today on this well, Tuesday afternoon.
2: I, I like the white caps in the uh, Cape Cod League. At least that's different. Yeah. One like the Brewster Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, 334-887-341-locally or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. War <clears> Eagle. <throat>
4: Yeah, well, we're so far away from the NFL season and do you think that Shaquan, that uh Saquon Barkley is going to stay with the New York Jet uh the New York Giants or is he going to get traded to a different team with his uh free agency uh seller cap that he has?
1: Yeah, I think with Saquon Barkley, I believe he signed the franchise tag today, so I fully Um, expect him to be in New York uh, this year, and I think that he's going to be a very pivotal part of New York's offense. So I do expect Mm -hmm. him to be a giant for this year, but I have no idea what will happen next year.
4: Yeah, so if he doesn't stay a New York Giant, I'm probably seeing him actually, you know, somebody other than the New York Giants might pick, that might keep him. I'm looking at like Carolina Panthers, the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Washington Commanders, or the, uh, Florida, the Jacksonville Jaguars just to name those teams that are looking for a great uh, guy in uh, Barkley as well say Saquon Barkley as well
1: yeah we'll have to see about that obviously I hope in Jacksonville I hope Tank Bigsby gets off to a big start in Jacksonville can have a good career there but again we'll see if Barkley and, and the Giants mid their relationship again I know he plans to play at this point but uh, obviously that relationship is going to be walking on thin ice so he they they need to have a good year, and he needs to have a good year. Everyone needs to needs to have everything work out for them.
4: Yes, I saw, and then I was listening to the NFL Network uh, the other day. They were talking about that the New York Jets might make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, that could be a big um, – I'll probably say that's a no for me as a Dallas Cowboys fan because the New York Jets, mm, if they make it to the Super Bowl, I mean, it would be their first time ever – um, probably I'll say like this year would be like their first time ever going to a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl because I know the New York Jets, they used to play, they used to go to the Super Bowl with Joe um, with, um, Namath, but that was many, many, many uh, years ago. So I don't think that Aaron Rodgers might, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to take that team uh, to the Super Bowl, I, I'm 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 just gonna say that's a hard no for me as well.
1: All right, I know that at times you've been back and forth thinking uh, the Jets may have an opportunity to do that. So as of today, who would you have in the Super Bowl?
4: Um, I would actually have my Cowboys, or um, I could probably put Dallas Cowboys in there, and I would like to have. Um, I will actually say. The Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: All right, that would be interesting. Uh, that that matchup is something that can happen, and uh, I think uh, with Jacksonville making the playoffs last year, obviously they need to take a, another big leap. But uh, that would be that would be an interesting matchup. I would I would look forward to that.
4: Yes, yeah, because I have never in Super Bowls history since I've been watching the Super Bowl for a long time. Uh, I never seen the Dallas Cowboys play against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a Super Bowl, so I think this will be, uh, you know, Dak's first time playing in Las Vegas, and uh, you know, the the quarterback for Jacksonville.
1: Um, uh, what's that guy's name? Trevor Lawrence.
4: Yes, Trevor Lawrence. I, I would love to see those two guys actually go at it in Las Vegas, and one of them might walk away with the. Uh, Vince Lombard trophy, I think it might be Dak Prescott's year of winning that as well.
1: Yeah, we shall see. And yeah, like you, I've never seen the Cowboys, Jaguars in a, in a Super Bowl either. Maybe we will uh, one day. What else is on your mind today?
4: Well, I'm actually um, getting ready to actually look at the playing tournament that's going to be coming up in a couple of months from now, and um, I'm narrowing it down to actually four teams of the uh, Summer League as well. So I know the Summer League is already over. So I'm actually uh, taking these four teams out of the Summer League and putting them in the playing tournament. And I will have to say I'll see my uh, Dallas Mavericks play against the NBA uh, Finals champions, the Denver Nuggets. That will be the first round. So I'll have to say the Mavericks will take that first round and move on to the second round as well.
1: Yeah, a little early to be talking uh, in-season tournament. I, I've certainly missed the NBA, but we're still about three months away from that. So uh, I know that they're, during the season they're going to kind of have games that are incorporated into kind of a pool play before they get into a Final Four. But, uh, yeah, it'll be the first time ever for the in-season tournament. Again, that's coming up. I think that'll come up throughout the month of November primarily.
4: Yeah, so I'm actually going to be looking at that one when it comes up in November. And uh seeing uh, some teams that are that are already that've already won in the uh summer league, and now they're moving to like the in the in tournament um pool pool tournaments as well, so I think uh Dallas might make a good run this year to the n b a finals as well, but when that time comes, I'll probably see Dallas and Los Angeles actually play in the actual uh, NBA Finals as well.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they certainly could end up playing in the NBA playoffs at some point. We would see uh, how that would progress in the finals, as those two would have to meet in the Western Conference playoffs, but uh, we we will see again once, uh, once that time comes here down the line. What else is on your mind today?
4: Well, I'm actually looking at uh, who's going to be going to the World Series this coming up year, and I think it might be the Los Angeles Angels with uh, Shay, with Shawnee Otanyu, and um, I'm, I'm thinking he might stay at Angel, and, and they're, really, they're looking really good as well. Their, their season record is looking outstanding. My um, Texas Rangers, mm, not, not too good because we lost a game last night, so I'm just going to see how they're going to bounce back today, but I'm looking at some other teams that might make it to the, to the World Series this year.
1: Well, I still like your Texas Rangers more than I like the Angels, James. The Rangers still lead that division uh, by two games over the Astros and seven and a half games over the Los Angeles Angels. So I think you should still have some confidence in the Rangers. Now, would you like to acquire Shohei Otani in a trade or something like that because I know he's on the potential trade block and he might get traded.
4: Um, I don't know if um, I don't know if we might make a trade. Uh, because I know we have some great players this year on our team. Um, if we do come up to a decision to actually trade somebody, I'm thinking we might trade uh Nathan Lau for Shading or because I think Nathan he's not doing a really good job with the Rangers, so I'm probably saying that we might as well put him on the on the um on the sales list as well, and, and sell him off as well.
1: Yeah, we'll just have to see. I know the Angels would probably want a, a really huge package for Otani, and uh, the trade deadline's coming up here in a week, so we'll see if Otani or any of these other other big players get moved.
4: Yes, as well. And then with uh, the hockey season way out in in their in their own in their own way. Um, I'm looking at who's going to actually make it to the NHL playoffs next year, and I'm pretty sure that it might be the golden, the Las Vegas Golden Knights again because I think they look like a good team that might um, make it to the, um, playoff, the national hockey league playoff again next year as well. So I think they're going to look really good when the, when the hockey season starts. Sometime real soon in the fall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Las Vegas' goal will, will obviously to be uh, try to repeat there and have another great team. I know that the uh, your Dallas Stars will probably be pretty good. My Tampa Bay Lightning will probably be pretty good. And again, that yeah. also like the NBA, those few months off. So unfortunately, got to wait a little bit of, uh, of time for them.
4: Yes, that's all. And then with the WNBA. Um, season, um, actually, you know, it, it's a lot of teams out there in the WNBA that might make it to the WNBA Finals. And I'm pretty sure that the Las Vegas Aces they're looking like a like a uh uh WNBA Finals uh champion team once again with um, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. I, I think they're I think those two ladies, I think uh Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, I see those two ladies actually making it to uh, you know, they're you know, their uh, historic record season when they're, when they're um, you know, they look like uh, great WNBA Hall of Famers. So I'll just probably see um, if they're going to, you know, get their Hall of Fame uh, shine one day as well.
1: Yeah, obviously that would be a little bit in the future, but I, I know that Vegas has been really good, and uh, I think they've got the best record in the league. So trying to repeat there, and they certainly will have the the chance to do that.
4: Yes, as well. And then with the um, NASCAR uh, news that I have, I'm actually looking at their next schedule, which will be Richmond, Virginia, and uh, seeing uh, who's going to win in Richmond. Because I know this is going to be a is going to be a really tough course right here, and it's going to be it's it's really going to um, take some take some uh, getting used to, and uh, seeing who's going to actually uh, make it to actually win in Richmond uh, this coming up weekend.
1: Yeah, we shall see. I know Denny Hamlin won the race in Pocono, and that was a little bit controversial, got a lot of boos. Do you like Denny Hamlin?
4: Um, No, I do not like Denny Hamlin, but I actually had to pick him to win. So I'm very happy that I won that race in Pocono uh, Raceway. So that was uh, my first time ever seeing a young Denny Hamlin. He was the first uh, ever in NASCAR history as a teenager to actually win in um, in NASCAR history that's never happened before. So that was his first time ever winning in uh, Pocono Raceway on uh, yesterday, on Sunday afternoon as well.
1: Maybe you're thinking of a different series because Denny Hamlin's 40 years old and that was his sixth or seventh win at Pocono, but in his 50th career win in the Cup Series. But maybe you saw the Xfinity Series race the day before and and somebody like that won.
4: Yes, because they were, um, when he was uh, I know he's forty years old now, but when they were showing after he won, they were like showing the timelines of how many races he's actually won and how many times he's actually won in so many different uh tracks in his uh lifetime career as um from a teenager to what he is now. so I think um if he wins another one, I think it might be fifty one or fifty two wins. Under his record uh, season.
1: Yep, that is how it would work. He's at fifty now. His next one would be fifty-one. All right, James. Well, we got a couple more minutes left with you. So, do you have any final thoughts for today?
4: Um, the only final thoughts that I actually have for today is with the Auburn football season right around the corner. Um, I just, you know, I just want to see what uh, Hugh Freeze is actually going to do, and just just like i uh told some of the other uh coaches uh in in uh coaching or players just take one game at a time this is this is football season you win um you, you're gonna lose some you're gonna win some but just take one game at a time as well and and i hope auburn uh comes out victorious at the end of the season
1: as well yeah basically just got to get those guys to keep competing and try to keep getting better every day and uh, try to try to win however many games you can. And also, James, that reminds me again, we've got two more Thunder Chicken softball games tonight. So do you have any motivation for us as we are trying to get our first win of the year?
4: Um, well, actually, I do have some motivation for you all as well. I'm actually the Thunder... Uh, y'all can actually call me uh, the Thunder Chickens head coach. That would be um, possible for me as well.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, maybe um, maybe like a team owner or, or or a interested party or something like that.
4: Uh, maybe I could be like the team owner. I can own sure the Thunder chickens as well.
1: Sure, sounds good.
4: Well, guys, um, last Tuesday um, we we you know we didn't do uh, very well, but tonight yeah I have to work very hard. So just um, you know this is a game that we're going to play at home and we're going to win it at home. So. Just um, you know, just keep it up as well. Just keep a, a, a motivational uh, spirit in, and um, win win some games as well.
1: That is the goal. We're gonna absolutely try to be fired up tonight, cluck up, and, and try to get a win. All right,
4: sounds good. Uh, I'ma uh, probably send y'all some um, some uh, tweets, and if I uh, see a good score, then okay. But if it's it's not really good, but then I'll just have to see what I can do to you know, try to take some players out as well.
1: Yeah, Maybe you have to make some trades or maybe even sell the team at the end of the day if we keep losing. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate that call from James right there. We're down to our last minute or so of our number one. And coming up in hour number two, towards the end of hour number two, we will get to our 2023 Pac-12 win totals. There's a great chasm between the top half and the bottom half. It's excited to talk a little bit about that uh, with the guys I know. Brooks, you're a big proponent of Pac-12 After Dark. What is your favorite Pac-12 After Dark team? Like just Ooh, like that's a good question. Who's Oregon on the State? most Oregon State? Oregon yeah.
3: State's a good one that you could find at like a, a 10 p.m. kickoff on FS1. Um, Washington State—they're not as fun anymore after Mike Leach left. Um, Cal, Colorado's
1: probably going to be pretty good now. You know, I, although I don't know if they're going—they to – might be given some prime time games. Yeah,
3: they—they'll probably get some some prime time. I, I'd say you—you you could find some good games in Corvallis, Oregon, late at night, and you can also find some good games in Tucson, Arizona, late at night. Okay. Some of those Arizona games—they—they uh, they can get really fun. Who was their quarterback a couple years ago? Um, For Arizona. Ari- it was, uh, gosh, he was Kevin Sumlin's quarterback. Uh, Khalil Tate? Yeah, he was so fun to watch late at night. Khalil Tate was a, was a great late-night watch.
1: Yeah, he uh, he was a great runner of the ball, too. Very athletic guy. You like some chaos late at night. And, yeah. of course, Auburn's going to be involved in that uh, in week two with how late they're playing now at Cal, what, 9 o'clock local time here uh, is when they're kicking off in that game. So uh, that'll be a late-night one that we're not used to. So that's coming up in the second hour. Also, we'll update you. A little bit on the MLB trade deadline. Again, those two Braves relievers that were acquired, I believe, early yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about those guys and also that Killian Mbappe number. Uh, Just real briefly tell you, just for reference, just how much money he's going to make with that Saudi Arabian club this year. So, again, we're out of time for hour number one, but stay tuned, a lot more sports call after this.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful, hot and sunny Tuesday afternoon. Tom, we're only getting in the low, like, 70s tonight, mid-70s. So when we're playing at 738, it's going to be in the 80s. It's going
2: to be warm. still going to be toasty. Yeah. Uh, at but, least the sun won't be out. it it'll, it'll, The sun will be down. We'll be under the lights. But, yeah, it's going to be a little little hot and muggy while we're out there playing.
1: So, unfortunately, this time of year, here's your two options. It's going to be hot or it's going to be raining. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the latter causes us not to play. So, hot it is. But we will take it. Uh, excited to be back out there. Uh, the team was out there last week, but we were in Nashville, obviously. So we had the, the missed yeah. the last two games.
2: Yep. Speaking of Nashville, how about this little nugget of
1: news? It was about Vanderbilt's homecoming. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's against Auburn uh, yep. this year, and uh, well Auburn has become a homecoming opponent. Okay, <laughs> for Vanderbilt. Try to, yeah. Well, <laughs> again, stir the pot, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, I know some will be offended by it for sure, uh, but. Also, it's it's. I uh, let's go through the home schedule. Usually, you do it a little bit later in the year. They could have done it against Missouri for sure. Like September thirtieth is something they could have done. Otherwise, they played Georgia on the fourteenth. weren't going to do it then. Uh, and then that's it. I mean, they their their home schedule is very heavy in the. They have uh, four of their first six at home. Hawaii first game of the year. Not doing that. Alabama and M. You're not doing that. The second game of the year. Uh, then they got Kentucky the 23rd of September and uh, Missouri September 30th. So they could have done it those games. But then they're at Florida. They host Georgia. They're certainly not doing it then. They're at Ole Miss. They host Auburn. Then they're at South Carolina and at Tennessee. Huh? So, again, I logistically, it makes sense. I, Auburn, you know, I again, I, I know someone's going to talk about it and Steve might call about it and get angry, but – um, I had you know. I, I, I mention it just because
2: it is a no, little noteworthy nugget, but I don't care. Right? Yeah. Go there and beat their I butt, butt on their is, I don't think that is
1: I don't think that is them saying yeah Auburn <laughs> sucks. There we can beat them. That's is the game. I think it's a logistical challenge of yeah. your only two home games in the second half of the year: Georgia and Auburn. Right. Which one are you can pick? There.
2: I, I think yeah. the most important thing about Nashville and Vanderbilt right now is it appears that the vast majority of their stadium is not even. A thing right now like when we were at media days somebody took a picture like basically their entire end zone seating area is gone and i mean it's not close to being done it's not like hey oh, i didn't see that <clears throat> picture yeah, yeah i didn't see that <clears throat> um yeah their end zone seating was i guess they're doing some remodeling there but uh i mean it looks like you're just gonna have the sideline seats
1: and that's it Well, yeah, I mean, they got a month to do it. They got to get it done here
2: next month. I'll show you the picture whenever I get a chance. But I I mean, it's—it's not a month away. No, it's like a year away. Yikes! So, yeah, that'll be interesting.
1: It'll look better for TV because then everyone will be squashed together. And I suppose they they might. Yeah, they might actually look like they have a crowd there. (laughs) Uh, So let's get into a couple different topics here. Again, coming up a little bit later. Uh, 2023 Pac-12 win totals. I want to spend just two minutes on this crazy Kylian Mbappe contract. Again, we don't talk soccer often, uh, and certainly don't focus on the leagues within soccer. But I just the, the numbers on this. Just if you have not heard them, it, trust me, it's worth two minutes for you. So this so Saudi Arabian team Al-Hilal is paying is going to pay Kylian Mbappe. 776 million dollars for one season not not for 10 seasons 12 seasons 6 seasons one season 776 million dollars of course in soccer the way it works to acquire a player it's not really a trade you usually pay a transfer fee to to kind of get them out of that other contract and to bring them over it's that's the trade the other team gets a bunch of money and you get the player type of deal so they're they're sending about $300 million to PSG on top of this. So this is about a $1.1 $1. $1 billion transaction for one player, which is insane. Let's go over some of the figures though of other famous athletes what they make. Some some just relative stuff to the 776 million. Okay? Five hundred and thirty one million is what LeBron James has made in his entire NBA career for his on the court earnings. Four hundred ninety-four million dollars is Patrick Mahomes' deal through two thousand thirty one. Okay, so that huge contract he signed. It's still almost three hundred million short of Mbappe. I'm gonna skip one and come back to it because this one made me laugh out loud. Three hundred and sixty seven million dollars is the entire New York Mets payroll. Of course, <laughs> of course, that's the uh, that's the number one payroll in Major League Baseball. $332 million is what Tom Brady made all time in the National Football League. All time. Yeah, it's what he made in his entire career. Yep. $225 million is the 2023 NFL salary cap. So that means a team in the National Football League cannot spend one-third of what a t- of what Killian Mbappe is going to make this year. Uh, the value of the top WNBA team, the Seattle Storm, is $185 million. Tiger Woods' career PGA earnings <laughs> – one hundred fifty-seven million, the greatest of all time in golf. We won fourteen major championships and mainly like a ten-year span. Then won another a few years ago. One hundred fifty-seven million dollars for Tiger in his career, of course, on the course earnings. Here's the one I skipped because I laughed that loud. I told you the WNBA franchise. How about this? The value of the Arizona Coyotes in hockey is four hundred and fifty million. So killing Mbappe in one year will make three hundred million more than what the Arizona Coyotes are worth. He could turn around and buy them in July of next year yep. and go buy the Coyotes if he wanted to. He's not going to want to, but you could. Sure. Um uh, cra- in other words it's nuts. There is no I'm tr- I usually hesitate in this because the world of business and sports. I mean, there's all these TV deals, there's all this revenue from merchandise, and there's just so there's very various streams of them that are sometimes hard to quantify how much exactly a team makes from it. I would find it hard to believe that this Saudi Arabian team is going to make this money back on Kylian Mbappe. What do you think? no no way no no you think there's a chance 776 million in one year for him and again remember they're paying out 300 million dollars to the team so that 1.1 billion dollars is this investment for only one guaranteed year of soccer this is again this is not i'm not saying six or seven years would make this like a no-brainer but at least be like all right value over time merchandise over time one year of this one year 1.1 billion dollars I don't know. Any thoughts before we move on? I just that's a crazy amount of contract. Uh, it's that's just it's dumb. That's it's dumb it's, Saudi Arabian money right there, trying to break into uh, any and all sports that they can. All right, let's move on then to the Atlanta Braves part of this, and uh, I shouldn't say part of this as if they were related to killing Mbappe. They are not. He is not say, a trade target for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but the Braves have made a couple of smaller moves. Uh, yesterday to get some bullpen help. And want to talk a little bit about it right now. So they went out and they acquired two new arms. One of them they traded, uh, they they got from Colorado a relief pitcher by the name of Pierce Johnson. And we'll go over these guys' statistics in just a little bit. The other is they acquired Taylor Hearn from Texas, which was basically for cash. So these guys statistically are – absolutely not not great guys from sure. from that standpoint um, they they I have a there's a clear reason why they why they did these moves and we'll talk about it in just a moment to give you the numbers on Pierce Johnson who are a little better than Taylor Hearns this year Pierce has been pitching for Colorado and not well a six era one and five record in 39 innings uh, he did pitch a little better his first two years in the, in San Diego last year he was not good either 5.02 in 2020 and 24 games he had a 2.7 era and in 2021 58 two-thirds innings he had a 3.22 era so had a good quality spurt there for two years the last two years have been quite bad taylor hearn against again bad numbers this year he's only pinched a couple of times so seven innings and he's allowed eight runs the ra is 10 which is obviously awful but short amount of work Last year in Texas, he actually started 13 games, threw 100 innings, 5.13 ERA. Year before, he threw 104 innings, 4.66 ERA. And the year before, 17 and 3rd innings, 3.63 ERA. So again, career 5 ERA for Taylor Hearn and for Pierce Johnson, career ERA of 4.5. Clearly, guys that have not pitched well to date. The reasoning here for the Braves is flexibility with the options of these guys. They have a bunch of relievers that cannot be sent to AAA. Like, they have to be... Um, designated? They, they would have to be designated for assignment. they have to be taken off the 40-man roster um, if not injured. So, these guys still have options. And... Oh. They they still have the ability to go between Triple A and Major League. These are guys that will not stay on the big league roster right. if everyone is healthy. But they are people that can go back and forth from Gwinnett to Atlanta, depending on who's healthy at sure. the moment.
2: And, and and I guess they're also I I don't I don't know if leverage pieces are the right thing, but I mean if you you get them there and you can use them to if you're ready to start making some moves, you've got those pieces there that you can put as part of a, a another trade or whatever. The, the biggest thing right now, uh, Nick Anderson is out with a right shoulder strain. Dylan Lee is a left shoulder inflammation. Jesse Chavez is a bruised left shin. They're all on the 60-day injured list. Um, A.J. Minner is out with shoulder inflammation. Um, he's supposed to start a minor league rehab, uh, or he should have already started a minor league rehab. But you got all those relievers out. I mean, that's a lot of relievers that you're missing right now. You have to find some guys that you can plug in there to, to at least get you a little bit of workout. Once those guys get back in either either these moves these guys move on to back down to triple a and fill some spots there, or you use them as leverage if you want to start making some other moves you'll you know we'll add them into the bunch of hey, if we want to make a move for this person, then we can add them in, and we're not really losing anything so you know you know as part of Anthopolis doing his deal um you know you're not expecting much out of those guys, but you can use them for the betterment of your pro of your of your team later on,
1: yeah. The the Hern trade again was basically just cash, so nothing was going there. It was kind of a free trial, almost it was a thirty day subscription. Uh, with Johnson, they did give up one decent prospect. They gave up the number ten and twenty five players in their in their minor league organization. The Number ten is someone that uh, Braves fans have probably heard a little bit about, Victor Vodnik. Victor Vodnik. He, he was yep. in a uh, lower classification, but he had been. He's showing some signs. Again, Mm -hmm. he'd come up boards a little bit. The Braves don't have a great farm system right now to begin with. It is not ranked as one of the top farm systems at all. It's just something they've depleted over the years, calling a lot of these guys up. Like, I mean, once upon a time, Acuna was a big prospect. Albies was a big prospect. Michael Harris was a big prospect. So a lot of these guys made it to the big leagues. And then other guys like Christian Pache didn't work out, got traded. Shea Langleyers got traded to Oakland. So some of these got traded to Oakland. Some of them are just quite in the big leagues now, and they've not replenished at that same rate, which is, again, to be understood because they've made a couple significant trades. A couple of these guys have been incredible for the big league team. Even someone like Spencer Strider was a pretty big prospect. So they have gotten... Uh, a lot of these guys to come up through the system. And what that means is now they're left with one of the weaker systems in Major League Baseball. So you say overall, number 10 prospect in your organization. Well, in the scope of Major League Baseball, that's not some big prospect whatsoever. In the scope of your organization, obviously, it was one of your your higher-rated ones. But, again, uh, basically taking very cheap flyers from guys for the flexibility of these injuries. And as Tom mentioned, what was that, four relievers right now that all – had either pitched well or were pitching in high-leverage situations. mentored has not exactly had the greatest season, but certainly they use him in high-leverage situations. Uh, Nick Anderson been pretty good. Chavez has been awesome. You could throw him in the fifth inning or the eighth inning, and he was doing a job. And then Dylan Lee, as another lefty specialist, was someone that they've missed for a while now. So they got a righty here. They got a lefty here. These are these cost-effective moves that – try to operate on the margins sometimes that just are trying to give you some depth for this rainy period of injuries. Also, the Braves can take every off day to their advantage, so I know that they always like a full day off for the bullpen like yesterday when they didn't play, but uh, do you think we see, Brooks, any more moves from the Braves, any more of these relievers? <coughs> do you think they should stand pat at, at this point?
3: Um, I, You know, it feels like – I mean – I think we said this a couple of weeks ago on the show, but you can never have too much bullpen help. I don't think any team in the history of Major League Baseball said, "You know what? We're good with the, what we got in our bullpen to going forward." I think everybody can use bullpen help. I would not be shocked that if if Alex Anthopoulos is looking at another move, maybe not for a bullpen guy, but one of these two guys is not a piece there, like a like you trade for them, and then boom, we're going to turn you, we're going to flip you around and give you to somebody else. Um, just because that's that's the nature of the game here. You get two guys. I know you're, you're you know you de- you need bullpen help right now, and these two guys will help you there. But just just be it, and I don't know what it is, but it's just you, you think about it. You know, I would not be shocked if one of these guys is a is a flip around. We're going to use uh, make another trade here for somebody bigger. Um, I I don't think they need any any rotation help. Right now, um, you're you're getting guys back that uh, you, you've had injured, and your your pitching rotation right now is is fairly fairly solid. I, I know they've struggled here uh, right out of the All Star break, but. Um, it's, you know, it's been fairly solid all year. The lineup's not a problem. I, uh, the Braves, you know, you, you've even moved the lineup around midway, you know, uh, midway through the first half of the season. You, you flip the lineup there and it, it got more successful uh, and you didn't think that, that was possible. So I, I I don't think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be, uh, tinkered with or anything. Um, the, the biggest thing is if you want to go get a, uh, if you wanted to go out and get a big name, and I, I know a lot of people have brought up, oh, what about Otani? The, the thing is, is the Braves have the, the pieces on the roster to make that Otani move, I think. But it's the, do you have the guarantee that he's going to sign next year? Because the way the Braves have built this up and, and they've got so many guys on long-term contracts – Everything you don't want to get rid of what you've built there that can be successful for a long period of time. If you don't have the guarantee that Shohei Otani is going to stay around for more than just the next couple months to get you to to a postseason, um, and, and the Braves are already solidly on their way. I think Brandt was telling me yesterday they've got a, a plus 99% chance to make the postseason at this point, right now, according to some odds uh, that, that are out there. And so, really, I, I think if the Braves make any more moves, it's probably going to be for more, you know, a, a better bullpen arm. Um, but it, it it it's you know it, no, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities when it comes to the trade deadline. I think we've we've experienced that in the past uh, years. But again, not a lot to tinker with this Braves lineup. I know they they've been struggling out of the All Star break, but they're still their lead in the in the NL East has not shrunk at all.
1: Right, uh, and look, I think we should clarify that again. I don't think these relievers are part of a bigger move. The, the other teams would not be attracted to these relievers whatsoever. They don't have big numbers this year. Um, if they were they, – guys could get thrown into a trade, but, again, these guys don't have have real value if you're trying to acquire someone of a, of a bigger stature. The Otani bit is interesting. I want to get back to that in just a second. Uh, to kind of finish up the Brave stuff, Again, with Pierce Johnson, because you've got to always... It's just... It's a thing you have to look at this when you look at pitchers coming from Colorado. It is awful pitching there. And I'm not saying that Pierce Johnson is going to come in and actually be real good for Atlanta. But if you're looking for one of these two guys that could potentially make an impact, look towards Pierce. Again, that 6 ERA this year, although we know he had two years in San Diego that was pretty good. This season, at home... In Coors Field, 7.23 ERA. Away from Coors Field, 4.11 ERA. That's not gangbusters. I get it. But a round of four even versus six for the year versus 7.2 at home shows me that there's something in there and that it has been a tough go of him as it is for a lot of people in Colorado. But it shows me that there is a shot that he ends up – if you told me he he actually makes the rest of the year for Atlanta and pitches to a 3.5 ERA, that is as not going to surprise me one bit based off what we've seen home versus away splits right there. So do keep an eye on that. But also if these two guys fail, the the idea is, okay, you've got some flexibility for the next few weeks as you try to get the rest of these relievers healthy. On the Sheo, Shohei Otani stuff, I wonder, too – when we go through the trade process, because I do not think the Braves should be trying to trade for him whatsoever. I think that would be irresponsible for how good the Braves have been this year, how good the future is. The Braves don't have prospects. The angels would be in love with, they don't. Again, we just talked about the Braves. Don't have the farm system. The Braves would have to be trading big league players, and no, they would not be dumping Marcelo Zuna or Eddie Rosario or or these guys. Can can we trade our worst hitter? No, it does not work like that. The they if you, if the Braves and Angels had a real conversation, you know how the conversation starts with the Angels, and you can say this is absurd, but I'm promising you this is the first to first ask. Robin well, is Acuna, is Acuna available? Yeah. yeah, and the Braves are like, no, of course not. All right, well then. Would you give us, like, Austin Riley and Ozzy Albies? Eh, no. Well, all right, then what are we doing here? That, that's the Angels' conversation. The, the thought that the Braves can be like, oh, yeah, here's some Marcel Zuna here, and here's this bullpen guy that irritates us, and, oh, he'll throw in a prospect or two. No, it's Shohei Otani. He's going to get the richest contract in MLB history. If you have to trade for him, they're going to get the biggest return in MLB history if they're worth their salt. You can't just trade whatever the hell you feel like it to to, to get Shohei Otani. So it would be irresponsible for the Braves to say, all right, yeah, we'll pay the Albies and Riley price, or or we'll give you Spencer Strider and Michael Harris or something like that, plus – plus our top two prospects. Like, That's just not not useful when the Braves might be in the situation for the offseason to sign him. I think the team that should try to target him while we're talking about this, they did this once. They did it, I think it was 2008 that they made this all-in trade. Let me qualify what we're looking for here first. Again, I have thoughts. So – I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the for the teams that can get him in six months to try to get him now because you would then kind of be paying a tax on the right to try to woo him, and then what if something goes wrong? What if you get him and you don't advance that in the playoffs or something, and then that actually makes him doubt your situation more? Like, if you're the Dodgers, like, okay, obviously – you got Freeman and Betts. I don't know what all the Angels would want. Again, you've got to think big. It's not just like here's a couple prospects. Right. They're going to ask. The, the, at first, the Angels will ask for your top player. They're going to ask for Mookie Betts. They'll be like, Ohtani's better than Mookie Betts. He's as good of a hitter and he can pitch. Of course he's better than Mookie Betts. Can we have him? And then and, I was like, no. Then, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're trying to win a World Series. And it's like, well, we're trying to get great players. So that's that's part of this. Um, so I wouldn't think it'd be a Dodger I wouldn't think it'd be the Yankees I don't think the Yankees have enough prospects the Yankees have a couple top prospects but again what, what, you have Glaber Torres or the Angels like oh yeah Glaber Torres we're in sold eh you know and so what I'm thinking about is one of these teams that could foreseeably add Otani and could be a World Series contender this year that does not have a realistic long term future like even someone like like Cincinnati you know like they're so young let's see this out for a moment before we think that they have to trade for a huge player right um, Tampa would have zero chance of paying Otani so maybe they would make some sense although they've they would probably have to trade two or three of their young guys that they really like so again it'd be all or nothing then you're completely breaking up a 60 win team that's going to win 90 to 100 games this year it doesn't seem like it's necessary. The team I target, this team did in 2008, it's the Milwaukee Brewers. I think the Brewers should target him. I don't know ultimately their situation with their prospects that is the thing where I'm not going to give you a fake trade because I'm not familiar enough with the Brewers organization and their prospects what they can offer but when I look at their roster that roster is not destined to compete for five ten more years it's not it it, I'm not saying it's on its last leg either but when you look at like Christian Yelich is one of their best players he's not young anymore Willie Adamas is fine Uh, they did acquire Contreras from the Braves you know he's whatever I don't think he's a cornerstone this team on paper is is not some juggernaut team they do have some good pitching in Corbin Burns and and Peralta has a lot of promise but if you g- added Otani I mean that team is winning the NL Central barely they're in a race with the Reds but yeah. 56 and 45 the Brewers have the third best record in the National League like I know that sounds weird but they have the third best record in the National League if you add Otani to that yes it is only a rental he's not going to be a Milwaukee Brewer Okay, right. but CC Sabathia is not going to be a Milwaukee Brewer, and he walked to the Yankees, and he had a hell of a second half. I think the Brewers should be inve- looking into this if they've got the organizational prospects to pull this off. They don't have a lot on their big league roster, so if the Angels truly are wanting a big time player, obviously the Brewers can't part with Yelich. But they give him William Adams, who's one of the best hitting shortstops in the game. I again, you're you're getting into. Uh, how much is it worth and, and what the angels are looking for. But if they have the prospects, again, and they may not. If they have, like, the 20th best farm system, they're done. They're out of this. I'm only – it's if they have one of the better – prospect systems but a team that should be looking and trying to move earth to do it is the brewers because they are already the third or fourth best team in the national league they have a roster that does not scream to me oh yeah these guys are good in five years and they're a small market team that does not get the opportunity to have a player like this all the time and have a shot at the world series like they could have they Uh have otani sure yeah i mean he would be a rental like you said yeah i and that that's why i don't I mean, because, again, what I was talking about with the Braves, from a, from our point of view as Braves fans, it's like it would be incredible, awesome to trade for him. But imagine he walks and the Braves gave up someone like Strider or someone like Albies to right. do that. And it's like, okay, it might improve their chances this year, but it also gives you a law of diminishing returns a little bit on your on your other years. Right. Whereas the Braves were set up to be this good for the next seven or eight years. Right. there's They would love to add Otani. Then it's even it's it's more Death Star material. Right. But they shouldn't have to sacrifice when they've already got the best record in the National League and they're already going to have one of the top five chances to sign him in the offseason anyway. So Because Otani said he wants to win. Now he's going to want a payday and the Braves will have to be... Right, actually yeah. give him the contract, and I don't know if the Braves would go that high personally. I have my doubts. But the win part is gonna be a check. And it's gonna be a check more than Mets, more than the Yankees. Yankees are old. Stanton's can barely move. Yeah. Judge has a toe injury. Josh Donaldson's hitting like a buck forty this year. They're old. They're they're not set for that. I don't know if the Yankees get him. So right. the Braves don't have a bad shot at that. I do. I would hate to see them have to trade something real. The, something that could right. hurt them long term, just for three months yeah. of Otani to try to try to sell him on the future, but maybe not be able to do that. No, I. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Braves, I'm not
2: doing that. I guess the uh, another team. I don't know what the Diamondbacks have. Uh, yeah, the Diamondbacks are 54-47. I mean, they're they're four games back of the Dodgers there in the West. Uh, you know, Diamondbacks seem like they're one that could potentially want to take a rental like that for a little bit and see if they can compete with the Dodgers, or a team like Diamondbacks looks at it and they're like, I, I don't know. Even with Otani, we may still not be able to compete with the Dodgers. I mean, because we're bringing him in, we need show enough to think that we're going to make a world. There might Series need to be another move on that, top of uh, that to, have it, to get, acquire somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and again, I, I, I would say I would say the same thing. Uh, I would say the same thing with a team like the Marlins. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing a lot better, you know. I can the Marlins really afford that, you know. I I don't know. I mean, obviously they're chasing the Braves. They're 11 and a half back, but
1: they ain't winning the division.
2: You know, why, yeah. right. but you know, do the Marlins think that there's a chance that they can close that gap with one player? I don't know. Well, um, but yeah, I mean, when I look at it uh, at least National League wise, yeah. I mean, the Brewers the the Brewers seem like the thing there. Uh, you look around in the AL yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who would want to.
1: I don't know who would want that right now. Yeah. Or who could do it right now? The the Marlins could. And look, they're always cheap. They're not going to do this. But Otani doesn't make a, a, a ton right now. I mean, he makes a, a good bit. I think it's like 18 or 20 million. But he doesn't make the 40, 50 million a year he's about to make once he signs a contract uh, in the all season. The Marlins aren't catching the Braves 11 and half out, but what they could do is in the short and wild card game, well, we now we have our pitcher. Shohei Otani is going to pitch for us in the wild card game. And then we have a short series. We're right. going to get the reigning Cy Young winner last year, Sandy Alcantara, right. and Shohei Otani in a short series. Maybe we can get out of that too. And then you just start thinking about, okay, well – Hitting wise, we're pretty balanced because Luis Ariz is hitting 380, and Jorge Soler's had 20 plus home runs. And uh, Jazz, is, you know, you know, jazz Chism, He's 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 secretly struggled this year. It's been has, he really, has he really? Yeah. Struggling? Uh, do you want the numbers on him? I've got him right here, hitting 246 okay. in 45 games with nine homers. So if he played um, the whole year, he'd be on about 30 home run pace. But he's only no. in 240. Not,
2: not what they would expect out
1: yeah. of him. Um, so. But, you know, they got some things there. Again, Otani is different because it's like adding two players. Right. Oh, I'm adding someone with 32 home runs this sure. year. And then, oh, I'm adding someone with a low to mid threes ERA that would be a top two starter in any rotation, maybe an ace of of, of half the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so you're so it is a different calculus, but it's also why the Angels, there's no telling what they're actually asking for. I hope that even if he doesn't get traded, I hope at some point Buster Only or Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman or somebody – can give us an idea of what the Angels were asking for. Because, again, I could be doing all these hypotheticals. It might not be any return of prospects whatsoever that they would accept for him. It might only be, you're giving us a real good big league player and the prospects. Like, you're giving us an all-star caliber player and your top three prospects. So, I, I mean, I have no idea what they're actually asking for. Uh, but it is something close to monitor here over – the next week and of course we brought all that up because the braves were able to make a couple of small acquisitions yesterday for relief pitching that went a little while so we're going to take our first (laughs) time out of our number two when we come back we're going to get into pack 12 win totals over and unders for 2023 that is coming up next
0: To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
1: back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this sunny Tuesday afternoon. Without further ado, time to talk some more college football. Yesterday, we talked SEC win totals and uh, gave you some that we liked, some that we didn't like. Again, we were really more confident about East teams yesterday than we were the West, which kind of fits in with just how close everything is in the West, three through seven. And there was a bunch of teams yesterday that had like the six and a half win total, took a couple over, took a couple under, that sort of thing. So there was uh, some really good uh, really good debate there yesterday. So like we did yesterday, we're going to go through every uh, everyone here. Well, I'll give you the the numbers first, and then we'll break down some of these. There's a couple on first brush that I really like a uh, couple that I'm just don't know, don't have a good enough feel for with some of these lower teams, but there's a clear divide in the Pac-12. So let's go through it. Southern Cal nine and a half, and again, this is via I should again say this is via a couple weeks ago. Uh, again, this is through um, BetMGM. So again, if you're there, might be something that changed a little bit, but we had to. Wanted something where we would get them all in one place and get a stopping point, got a freeze it in time. So again, via be bet MGM about two weeks ago. USC nine and a half. Oregon nine and a half. Washington nine and a half. UCLA eight and a half. Oregon State, the Beavers, eight and a half, Utah, eight and a half, Washington State six and a half. And then California, five and a half, Arizona, five and a half, Arizona State, four and a half. Colorado three and a half. Stanford three and a half. What strikes do you guys? Uh G- give me one. Give well, I mean my, my first is at the top that, that that
2: they're only thinking Southern Cal at nine and a half. Okay. I I mean I I think Southern Cal is a legit national title team this year. So I'm i definitely think of them as above nine and a half. Uh, I've not looked at their full schedule, but uh, well, let's see what do we got here. Well, yeah,
1: we got. I got, I got it right it. here if
2: you want. San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, win, win, win. Arizona State, Colorado should be win, win. Arizona win at Notre Dame could be odd, maybe. Uh, Utah could be because I'm going to mention Utah here in a second.
1: Well, yeah, Utah beat them twice last year.
2: Yeah, uh, at Cal shouldn't be a problem. Washington at Oregon at could be. Yeah, well. Look, there's I, a couple of tough there's a couple of tough games here for for USC to, to get over the nine and a half. So I kind of see it, but I you know I just think with uh, with everything that Lincoln Riley has brought in there, Caleb Williams probably the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Um, you you go through here and you look at uh, I, I'm at least looking at Phil Still stuff. I mean, you look at the at the first, second, and third team. You know, in the pack twelve, I mean, it's just loaded with Southern Cal guys. Uh, I mean, they're definitely the best team in that conference, I believe. Um, And so even with some of these that look like, quote-unquote, tough games, I I think that they've got the team that can surpass the 9.5 wins. I mean, I think they are a legit national title contender.
1: The the fascinating thing about this is it's very stacked both high and low. So, again, there are six teams between 8.5 and 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 9.5. USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Oregon State, Utah, all at least eight and a half. Mm -hmm. Then Washington State's a tweener there in the middle. And then you have another group of five teams that are five and a half or lower. So in other words, we got six teams that are valued to win at least eight games. And we got five teams slated by this, you take the under, to miss a bowl game. California, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Stanford pretty clear gap. And so my first thought is do any of these smaller teams rise up and beat any of these top teams? Well we cuz yesterday it was such a, a such a large middle. Well now the middle's very small. Washington State's really only in the middle. These other teams are all clearly in two different different groupings here. So does Colorado beat someone out of that top 6? Does Arizona or Arizona State beat someone out of that top six? Can the top six pretty much run the table against the bottom half of the league? Because if they do that, then that will set us up for a lot of overs. But if they even trip up once, say an Oregon State loses to a Cal or a Colorado beats a Utah, a Washington loses to Washington State in the Apple Cup, then we're going to start hitting some unders here because – if you just cannibalize the top five or six teams, you can get out of there with a bunch of teams with only one or two losses. But if you start to bleed to that bottom, then that's when we're all going to have a hodgepodge, and, and some of these teams won't clear.
2: Well, and, and the thing is, is, simply put, I think the Pac, I think that's exactly what's going to happen in the Pac-12 with, right? because I, it, I mean, it, I think that Southern Cal is is kind of elite status above the rest. I think the rest are going to eat each other. And so, yeah, you're going to have some that are a little bit higher. You're going to have some that lower. Uh, I I don't like Utah at just eight and a half. I think Utah is one of those that has proven that they can be a really good program. Uh, You know, do they slip back down to that eight-win total? I don't know. I feel like that they could be one of those that's up in that nine-win total. And maybe you drop somebody like a Washington or a UCLA down into the – uh, or not UCLA, but somebody like a Washington is at a nine five. You you bump them down to that eight five, maybe seven. You bump a, a Utah up into the nine range, is kind of where I would think. Um, uh, you know, down there towards the bottom. Of course, all eyes are going to be on Colorado uh, with Deion Sanders taking over. Are they better than three and a half this year in his first year? I you know I don't know, and I'm not ready to make a prediction because I haven't seen him coach them yet. He brought in a lot of talent from the transfer portal. So you can't say that they're not talented, but do they have enough talent to get over that three win, uh, three and a half, four win uh, threshold? Um, I'm going to say they do. Um, I think they're probably a five. Uh, but then again, then you have to bump somebody else down. And so uh, I'm not sold on Cal at five. Because, uh, I mean, if you look at them at five, I, you're almost wondering if you're putting an Auburn win in there uh, at five, considering who else Cal has, potentially. So I don't think Cal's a five-win team. Uh, and I think Colorado is better than a three-and-a-half. So – but ultimately, I think USC is it, – it's like USC and then kind of everybody else. Maybe or- Oregon's going to be, a, obviously, with Bo Nix and some of the guys they have. You know, they're going to be right there. It's going to be a tough game for Southern Cal at Oregon. That, that may be one of your better games of the year uh, right there late in the season with that, and it, and it could determine a lot. Uh, that could be a very big determining game. And so, you know, you have to like it if you're Oregon. You get them in Austin Stadium. I just still think Southern Cal is just the I, – I, I think Southern Cal is where they're at, and then it's kind of a pretty good gap. Then Oregon, and then I think it's a real big gap. I'm not sold necessarily on Washington. I know they're,
1: they're good, but I don't – See, I think they're, they're, there's not enough credit there. They did go 11-2 last year. Right. They had Michael Penix, who got in the Heisman conversation, and Penix is back this year. They averaged 40 points a game. Uh, their two losses were early in the year. Uh, they lost at UCLA by a touchdown at Arizona State by a touchdown. They did beat Oregon last year, right. 37-34 at Oregon. Uh, and so I think that Washington's in this too. They've got eight returning stars defensively, seven offensively. I, I'm not sure they win it. I'm not saying that, but I to say there's a large gap between uh, Oregon and, and Washington. I, I I don't see that. I well, think Washington's right there.
2: Yeah, uh, and uh, and looking at the schedule, I, I yeah, because you know when I look at the schedule. I need to make a comparison here in just a second. Uh, let sure. Me
1: find. I can help you out. Which one you want? All
2: right. Well, I'm looking at. So I'm looking at Washington. So Boise State, Tulsa, at Michigan State. I don't. I think Michigan State's got turmoil. They That's got why, trouble. Yeah. They got trouble. That's why you've got players leaving, coming to Auburn uh, <laughs> from Michigan State. Um. So Boise, Tulsa, Michigan at Michigan State, Cal at Arizona. I easily see them. Okay, so I easily see them starting five and O. Uh, they host Oregon, and you just mentioned they, they beat Oregon. Or, yep. They beat Oregon in Oregon last year. Uh, they, uh yeah. I mean, dang, really? Their their toughest game on here is that Southern Cal, right? So guy,
1: Oregon and Utah, the next two toughest teams at home. And yep. then Oregon State's good. That's when I start to separate a little right. bit. Though I don't think Oregon State's as good. But again, late season on the road, man, this could happen. Apple Cup at the end, but in um, in Washington. So uh, Oregon again uh, in Seattle, I should say. They're so, both teams are in Washington. So then Italy. looking at
2: <laughs> yeah. So then looking at Oregon at Texas Tech. I, mm, I mean, they're better than Texas Tech, but you got to yeah. play them at it's, Texas Tech. Uh, it'll, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Hawaii, nah. Colorado at Stanford, nah. So at washington at utah right so tough that's one. two tough ones right there um where's they, the civil war this year where's oregon state game uh yeah, at home okay uh, you do got at arizona state um you host southern cal as well okay. with oregon so oof,
1: man that's someone's a, coming out of this with 10 yeah. or 11 wins i just don't know which one yeah for a fact, I Brooks, what jump in here? What do you? Yeah. What do you, We're we're talking top of the league right now. USC, Oregon, Washington, they're all at nine and a half. They all have some arguments for and against. What do you? What do you got up here?
3: USC obviously has the strongest argument because you've got Caleb Williams, and the the thing that worries me is as you, we said this off the air earlier, um, uh, eating lunch is their defense. It's just it's scary. Um, what I I'm kind of. What I mean, I say I'm I'm kind of disrespected. I'm I'm not a fan of this program, but I feel like there's some disrespect being thrown toward Utah. That's only an I, eight and a half.
2: Well, that's what I was saying. I I, I don't I like Utah a lot better like, than eight and a half.
3: Like you, you look at their 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 games and in, going into this year. You got a, a Thursday night kickoff against Florida at home. Uh, Utah can beat that Florida team. Remember, they've got Cameron Rising coming back. They're, they're starting quarterback he last is year. Still,
1: I I don't. He's still gimpy though. I don't know for a fact – I read something the other day. The only reason I'm saying is, and have to double-check this, is that they are not necessarily loving the progress he's made because he tore the ACL at the end of last year. Uh, and so he should be fine, but timeline-wise they're getting a little uncomfy. About it. But, yes, he is returning.
3: But they, they – so they've got, they, they have got they the – I think they can beat Florida. Well, all right, so depending on if Cameron Rising – Right t- plays. This, well, let's assume he's it, healthy, though. Let's m- the argument. assume he's healthy at Baylor. I think they've got a chance. They got a chance to win that game. Baylor went six and seven last year with a bowl loss. Uh, they were coming off a, a double digit win season the year before, but it you know they they took that step back last year. So I think they've got a chance to win that. Their two other biggest games. Uh, is at US the, the the problem where I see where y- you could not you know it, it gets a, is at USC and at Washington because you got to go on the road to both of those two teams and those are both you know big power teams you get Oregon at home I think that could be a, a winnable game um, and UCLA I tell you what UCLA what they're at eight and a half I would if I was laying money and again state of Alabama it is illegal huh. I'm not betting I just want to let everybody out there know. I'm not putting any money on it. But if I was, I'd put UCLA at the under. I would bet the under for UCLA because this is the first year where you're, you – if you look at UCLA's progress throughout the years, from 2019 through last year, you saw the progression of Dorian Thompson-Robinson as their starting quarterback, and you saw that progression get up to what, – what was it? A, a nine-win uh, finish last year for them um, – yeah, nine and four last year. You you had he he got them. Well, this is your first year without them. You're you're coming into this year. Uh, Dante with, Moore without uh, a, a your your starting quarterback that you've had since 2019, Thompson Robinson. Dante is listed as the as the projected starter here on, with Phil Still, but he's a freshman. And he so, is the
1: number three recruit in the country though. But mind.
3: true. Um, but you know you you look at you see I, I just you know it was such a rough start for um, for uh chip kelly in his second pac-12 iteration with ucla and he was able to build that slowly up and you know he went nine wins uh, last year eight wins the year before but before that three and nine four and eight three and four was that covid year was three and four um it's i I really want to see that i would put under on that eight eight and a half um and it's not because of their schedule. I, I think their schedule, if if Dorian Thompson Robinson was there, it's very winnable. I, I think you have got Coastal Carolina, you have got San Diego State, you got NC Central as your your out of conference opponents, and then you know that you don't have to play Washington, you don't have to play. Uh, I don't think you have to play Oregon. Your biggest game is at USC and that that's the, and at Utah, and so I, I think that the eight and a half would be good. But I just I, I want to see what they look like without Dorian Thompson Robinson there. Um, so i i would I would say Ucla probably under there again utah i would I would go over usC that nine and a half i, I think they've got the chance to 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 get over that again like we said the defense just worries me um I, I I have all the faith in Caleb williams uh their their non-conference besides that Notre Dame game is is very navig navigable um but it it's you know, the Pac-12 is just, just nuts. And I love it, and ap- it gets after dark, and somebody gonna, can beat somebody. Uh, I was about
2: to say, anything can happen in the Pac-12 when everybody on the East Coast is already in bed. You right. wake up the next morning, and you're like, wait, Stanford beat Southern Cal?
1: The hell? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think it goes back into the bottom half versus top half. We will continue to discuss a lot of these Pac-12 win totals, give you the actual lines on a couple of them, too, uh, what you're getting for taking the over and the under. You're listening to... The Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. The Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications <laughs> app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday. Uh, again, getting set for Thunder Chicken softball in a couple hours. Excited about that.
3: Is it shocking that uh, during the break I'm already po- planning my post-game meal?
1: I know you personally very well. So no, it is not. Uh, I've already planned what I'm gonna have, but it's not that cool. It's not that exciting. So uh, you're you're gonna have a you're I, gonna you're gonna I mean, live I, moss a little more. i would just say objectively,
3: yeah. my my choice isn't exciting. Like no one, I don't no know. Gets it's pretty good. Pretty go good there. stuff. Eh,
1: ask someone leaving the bars <laughs> on a Friday night. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's enough hints about that. So we're going over 2023 Pac-12 win totals. We were discussing the top half of this league. A, because it's relevant. B, because it's a hodgepodge team. C, because, well, it's hard to differentiate these top five or so, six teams. Again, one more time, USC 9.5, Oregon 9.5, Washington 9.5, UCLA 8.5, Oregon State 8.5, Utah 8.5. So let me give you what you're laying here. USC at 9.5, the problem with them is, the betters believe they will go over. It's minus 175 to take the over there. They really want you to take the under. That's plus 145. Um, Let's go with Oregon next. Plus 105 to take the over. So you make a little bit there. You go minus 125 to take the under on Oregon. Um, Washington, a little better odds if you want to take the over. Plus Plus one twenty versus minus 145 to take the under. Now going to the eight-win teams, or the eight-and-a-half teams. UCLA plus 105 for the over, minus 125 for the under. Oregon State plus 115 for the over, minus 135 for the under. And Utah plus 115 for the over, minus 135 for the under. So there's a slew of teams there. The only team that, you would get something if you went under, was USC. Everyone else, the plus was for the over, the minus was for the under. So, clearly, because putting in my two cents with some of these teams, I think USC will be the best team in the conference, barely. I think Oregon will be close. I think Washington will be close to Oregon. And I think Utah will be close to Washington. If I was just ranking it out like that, schedules do matter for this though, and we talked about that a lot yesterday. I would just be surprised if USC, with this hype, with this team, with this quarterback, lost three games. I, I would. It would be surprising to me. They didn't last year, and I know the schedules are different, teams are different, but they went. Uh, what did they go? Ten and ten and one, in the regular. Excuse me, eleven and one the regular season and then lost to Utah, lost to Tulane to uh, in the Cotton Bowl to finish 11-3. And if you're thinking about R- Lincoln-Riley teams, their problem is not getting to the playoff or or, or getting to a, a some sort of championship environment. Finishing. Their problem is finishing. Their problem is defending once they get there. So although I'm sure, although USC does have a lot of returning defensive starters, I'm sure their defense is not will be awesome. It, it hopefully it's passable from their point of view but it's not will be awesome it usually with lincoln riley teams has not had to be awesome last year they averaged 41 and a half points a game and yes they lose jordan ass he was only their leading receiver by 100 yards it was not like he had made the i think he had some injuries but it was not like he had the world of of production that he had at pittsburgh so i think that I will take the over on USC despite the schedule. They are going to lose. They're not going undefeated. The at Notre Dame part adds something spicy to it because they already got Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Utah. They got four of the five tough, te- tough teams Excuse me, that they could play. And I would say that the weakest of those is Oregon State, and that's the one they don't play. So besides themselves, they got the four toughest teams in Pac-12 plus and at Notre Dame. That's daunting. They're not going undefeated, but I still like at least ten and two for them. Eleven and one's on the table, but I like ten and two even with bad odds. There, uh, you again. It's only minus one seventy-five. Take the over. So you yeah. lay one hundred seventy-five to get hundred.
3: <coughs> yeah, uh, I was. Uh, go ahead. I was saying I was looking at this schedule from last year of the games that they struggled in. Uh, you know, you that early in the year at Oregon State, you don't even have to play them this year. A, a team that you struggled with last year, you don't have to play them this year. Um, you you lost that game at Utah. Well, you get them at home this year, and so that was a close game. Um, but you get it at you get it at home now at Arizona. You kind of struggle, but you get them at home this year. Um, Cal was a closer game. You you do have to go to Cal, but again, it is it's Cal who's projected over under is what we, what did we say five and a half right now, um, and then elsewhere at ucla or yeah last year was at ucla and then host notre dame you get ucla at home and like i'm with you ryan it, it's the same uh, it, it's with it's with you uh at notre dame game is is the one that i you you start to circle there that washington game you could also circle it but you, again you get it at home and so you would kind of tilt it toward ucl or usc there I, I think the two games that could trip them up um <laughs> It legitimately, could you know? Uh, I would give you know favor the other, not favor the other team, but like give them a, a more than a puncher's chance at Notre Dame, and then at that at Oregon game late in the year because it's two you know it's two road environments. You're going to have to play there. Notre Dame, it's already getting cold in uh, in October in mid October, so you got to go up there to chilly place, and then. Oregon in the in November is cold and rainy, and so that could affect things. And when you're not playing in that every single week like Oregon is, it, that could that could trip you up there. I, I like the over, um, and I'm with you, Ryan. I, I think that 11-1 is a possibility. 10-2 is also a real, real 10 and two possibility. 10-2
1: feels like the most probable yeah. outcome, even for what I think will be the best team in the league, although Oregon will be close, Washington will be close. Let me go over a couple more real quickly. Of these top group, then we'll transition in the bottom. See if there's anything we we love or hate down there. So on UCLA, UCLA is the biggest conundrum for me. I know Brooks, you took the the under there. Oh man, I just don't. I think that I don't want it's, to say.
3: And it, again, like as I said with my under, it has nothing to do with the schedule.
1: Right. The schedule is so well, easy, and that's that's the second part I'll get to in just a moment. I think it's pretty. It might be a West Coast version of of Tennessee and Joe Milton where the quarterback is so important in the Chip Kelly offense. As you said, DTR was there for a while. But they have a real shot at being good there with Dante Moore, who was the number three quarterback in class, five-star, all services. I mean, there's a chance he's good from the word go there. And sure. if he is, they'll be fine. DTR was good. He was stable for them. He never elevated himself to Heisman level or anything like that. It's not like it's not a repeatable production standpoint from DTR. Like hit their friends in in uh, the Coliseum, UCLA does not like defense. Chip Kelly has never really liked defense. New they, defensive coordinator coming in. Sure. They've got that going. They do have nine returning defensive starters, so they've got that going for them too. But allowed nearly thirty points a game last year, so got to have work done defensively. But the argument for the over is clearly the schedule, because of all these teams, they play the less, the least amount of like-minded teams. So their non-conference, Coastal Carolina, should be okay. At San Diego State's weirdly intriguing, but again, for the sake of this, I'm gonna say it should be okay. They'll beat North Carolina Central fine. They then quickly have at Utah, That's that part's tough. By host Washington State, I feel good about Washington, beating Washington State. At Oregon State, it could be tricky. At Stanford, I'm not too worried about. No. Stanford's going to be pretty bad. Host Colorado, it makes me feel good about that. At Arizona, host Arizona State. Then finally at Southern Cal, which, of course, is all in L.A. anyway, and then they host Cal. My point is they've got Utah, they got USC, but they do not have Oregon They do not have Washington. So they've got three of the other five, but they don't have who I deem are second and third on that list in Oregon, Washington. And they could absolutely still beat Oregon State. That is absolutely doable. Um, Could they beat Utah? Maybe. Utah has been very consistent, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. But say they lose those three, the other nine I feel good about. That's why I, just from a scheduling perspective, now it's college football. Are they going to mess up the one of those games? Probably.
2: <laughs> is their true freshman quarterback right. going to have an uh oh? Lead them to the promised land, or is he going to be as James says the lead us to the promised land, <laughs> or right. uh, is it going to be a freshman quarterback? Right.
1: Yeah, right? well, he's got some growing to do. Right. Um, which again, is going to be very pivotal in Chip Kelly's offense. They they've just not gotten out of Chip Kelly what they wanted to. I mean, Chip Kelly was this, his sixth year there. I mean, he has been. Very, very disappointing. I think overall, he's still under 500. He still was he 27, 29 at UCLA. Yeah. So that part of it's disappointing. I think the schedule sets up great for them, but I'm just not sure about them as a team at eight and a half.
2: Yeah, uh, and I mean, just looking here, what Phil Still is predicting, and I mean, you've got the quarterback there, but I mean, really, uh, in your other skill positions, you've got a uh, you've got a running back in Carson Steele and a uh, wide receiver in uh, Sturdivant as third team you don't have any skill positions as first or second team to go along with that freshman quarterback i only see one offensive lineman that's in the top two prediction uh, spencer um uh, host what is it holstage spencer holstage uh predicted as a as a uh, second team so I mean, offensively, yeah, you've you've got your superstar freshman quarterback in here. Projected, you don't have anybody for you don't have any first team, Pac-12. You only have a second team, offensive lineman, and then you do get a running back and a, and a one wide receiver on third. So that it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, at least a lot of hype around people that are around that right. potential quarterback. Not that that means anything, but you know.
1: You it's these it's more of someone – it, it. it, it, it's, it's a profile of a team more around sixth or seventh in the league than second or third sure. in the league. Because uh, I guarantee there's teams below them that don't have any, right. even, even but, that. But,
2: again, but. when you're talking about questions on defense because they just don't play defense, you've got a whole brand-new defensive coordinator coming here, you're going to win and lose your games on offense. Well, at least according to Phil Steele, there's not a lot there, yeah. uh, uh, at least as far as upper echelon of the Pac-12. Yeah.
3: And, I, go, no, ahead, go, Brooks, ahead. No, go
1: ahead, uh, the, No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. The other team I wanted to hit, hit on to was Oregon State because they're lumped in with these teams, which traditionally they would not be, like USC, check. Oregon, check. Even UCLA, check. Utah, with the appreciation of Whittingham, what they've done. They went to four. I, I don't remember 2020. Did they even have a Pac-12 title game? I, I, I don't even remember. But the the last four full seasons – Last four full seasons, Utah was in the Pac-12 title game, all four of those years. Now, they're not doing divisions this year. They did
3: have a – in 2020, okay, it was so the, uh, USC and Oregon. Okay, so
1: they did not go that year. But the four last four full seasons, Utah went to the Pac-12 title game. So there's that. Check on that. Washington Resources, what they did with Chris Peterson, certainly check. So of those, the the outlier, the weirder program here is Oregon State. Oregon State's very interesting this year. So Jonathan Smith, we were talking about this, uh, Brooks and I were talking about this over the break, that they've had like the most steady rise. Like if we're talking football 20 years ago, this is how you would have wanted a program to be rebuilt. This is the correct timeline. This just for a program that was ailing this 20 years ago, this would have been brilliant. So first year Oregon State, 2-10. and 10. Okay, really bad bad starting place then up to five and seven all right growth but not great 2020 is just i can't you have to throw <laughs> out 2020 you don't have the non-conference games they went two and five in the conference they end up five six seven wins somewhere in their Pac 12 didn't play games because they were stupid anyway 2021 seven and six so that's the third full year bowl game nice mm-hmm. good job and then last year ten and three Including the win over your rival Oregon. Again, in today's timeline for a, a solid program that's a little too slow, people would get too impatient. But credit to Oregon State, who obviously is a lesser program. They they don't have the quite the lofty expectations, but credit to them because that planned out steady growth every year from two to five to seven to ten wins in the four full years they had.
3: And I know that the and it, it's a little deceiving because Florida was not the team that they we thought they were going to be last year with with some of their talent. But a a the tenth win was a dismantling Thrupped of them, them in a bowl game. Dropped
1: them and 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 you know Florida had beaten Utah week yeah. one of the year. That Florida team from the beginning of the year the end of the year lost its mojo. I, I don't know what happened to them, but so beat an SEC team in the bowl game handily. So, you've got to appreciate what they've did. now. They lose a lot of defensive starters. They lose six of their 11, which is more than the teams we've been talking about. They technically return their quarterback, but remember, this is where DJ Uyangale transferred. And so, and so I don't know if that's a good thing or not, to be quite honest with you. Their other quarterback they had split time last year and had to go to a different guy. Their other quarterback went nine TDs, five picks to 62 and percent with 1500 yards passing. They were more, kind of more of a run first team. They do return their running back that had nearly a thousand yards. Uh, but I don't know if DJ being the quarterback is ultimately a positive or a negative, uh, there's just was so much attention around Clemson. Clemson's offense is set up for success. It had so many successful quarterbacks. Even going back, yeah, I could talk to you about Watson or Lawrence, which are obvious. Even Taj Boyd early on in the Dabo tenure was good. So, I mean, Clemson had been set up for quarterback success, and it did not happen uh, with D.J. Uyangalay. And so how will he impact things? I don't know. Their schedule, they've got Oregon at the end, always play Oregon. they got Washington. That's difficult. they got UCLA. they got Utah. So they avoid Southern Cal. Um, but that's another tough one. I just don't know how DJ will affect that roster. That's what I'm going to get hung up on them for Oregon State. But Jonathan Smith, their head coach, he's built it the right way, built it steadily. All right, guys, a few more minutes, and then we'll take our next break. We'll get back to the Auburn make phone line one final time. But uh, bottom half of the league. So again, this is and Washington State six and a half. If you want to take them, that's fine too. But Cal five and a half, Arizona five and a half, Arizona State four and a half, Colorado three and a half, Stanford three and a half. Is it Colorado for you guys? Is that the team that you're I, yeah, wanting to lay I, something on? I I mean I I just
2: I, they're not ready to compete with the upper echelon of the Pac-12 right now. But I I just I feel like the Deion Sanders and the talent that he brought in is gonna get at least give them better than three and a half odds. Uh, and, I mean, when you just look at the teams that are kind of above them, uh, you know, I'm not sold on Arizona State. I'm not sold on Arizona. I, I think Cal is going to be really bad this year. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think three and a half is kind of low for them. It, it, it's almost like they're, you know, the the projections are kind of looking at what they did last year. Were they won an 11 last year? They were. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, three and a half is better than what they were right
1: <laughs> but um i'm almost kind of glad their numbers low yeah. we talked about their their complete roster makeover right. which it, it makes it very tough to project it also it, really does. it could have laid unfair expectations on the place too because again it was 1 and 11 last year it was not good in case you're wondering oh well was it like a Scott Frost year where they had a bunch of close calls nope no, it was not. Oh, they, got they lost to Air Force 41-10, for example. They lost to Minnesota 49-7. to Lost to Arizona 43-20. Their one win was Cal in overtime. Thank the good Lord. Oh, they used that momentum to lose to Oregon State 42-9. Oregon had no trouble 49-10. 55-17 to Southern Cal. 54-7 to Washington. 63-21 to Utah. Oof. Jesus. I mean, there's 30, 40 points I mean, every just day. Every game. umped So, on that hand, you can see why Dion was like, I just want a whole new roster. It's sure. never really been done that way before. But again, you can see his argument for that. Still, though, just so many unknowns. The non conference at TCU don't like that no. to start Colorado's year. They then play Nebraska. That's going to be a fun one. Nebraska has been an ailing program. They then play Colorado State, which needs to be a win. I mean sure. it, need, it needs but to but be they, a win.
3: They they uh, won two more games than Colorado did last year.
1: Colorado State, so yeah. Yeah.
3: In the well, but I, so. I mean,
2: it wasn't hard to do as bad as Colorado was. Well <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh so that needs to be a win. Then you get into Oregon tough, UFC tough. At Arizona State, well it makes it on the road. Mm. Maybe it's doable. A doable host Stanford by Very doable. At UCLA tough, Oregon State, which is homecoming, but again, here's an example. We talked about the vanity part earlier against Auburn. Okay, Oregon State is going to probably win seven, eight, nine games, So, but that's still tough. Host Arizona, okay, that one's doable. At Washington State makes it tough. At Utah, tough. They've got all those teams. They've got USC. They've got Oregon. They've got, uh, I guess they miss Washington. Washington's the one team up there they miss because they've got UCLA on there too, and they've got Oregon State on there, and they've got Utah. They've got five of the top six teams in the league and number seven if you want to throw in Washington State. It's tough. Brooks, yeah. you got or go ahead, Tom. Well, yeah.
2: I, I was just going to say, I mean, really, uh, where Colorado is going to have their su- have success or or not have success, I think it's going to start at that quarterback position with uh, with Shadour Sanders. Uh, is he going to be able to transition from HBCU level type football to big boy Pac-12 football? Don't know, uh, but you got to remember, he was also a four-star when he went uh, to Jackson State. So he was already a relatively highly rated guy, but it, we'll see where it starts there. But then you've also got these former five stars because, uh, you know, Travis, Travis Hunter, uh, former five-star top player in the country that went to Jackson State, he's now there. Uh, they've pulled in a bunch of these other transfers from big-time schools, so they've got talent. We just don't know how it's all gonna relate because this is all brand new.
1: Like you said, it's a it's a brand new team.
2: Yeah. Maybe it, it,
1: some assumptions I made are, are already false. Maybe they're right. already better than Arizona and Arizona State. Maybe uh, sure. it's the other two that are well, well, that's just
2: yeah. it. The amount of transfers that you brought in to basically rebuild this program might make your roster better than some of these who yeah. don't have former five star players. I mean, these are teams that are that have your twos and threes and you make do with what you do and try to find diamond in the rough. Deion Sanders has brought former five stars in to fill that roster out. Right. So, But we don't know because we haven't seen – And we also
1: got to see Deion coach at that level. And how
2: Deion coaches at that level. So uh, it's intriguing. It's extremely intriguing. But I I don't think just from the sheer point of who you brought in – I don't think you can just sit there and go, oh, well, they're just vastly under-talented sure. compared to these others. Like, no, I think they in brought, theory, I, they shouldn't be at all. No, yeah. I, I, I think Should they be. brought in a bunch yeah. of talent. So, again, that's why I think that they're above three and a half on there because I think the talent that they brought in, even though it's not a full roster, I mean, obviously they kept some of the guys there from Colorado. They didn't just They didn't dismiss yep. the entire roster. I mean, there are guys – Closest thing to it, but yeah. They, daggum close to it. But you still brought in so much talent that I think that makes them more talented than Arizona State and Arizona and Cal. Once you start getting up to the Washington State, uh, you know, I don't know, and, and definitely not
1: yet to the it should make to Utah the, and Oregon State. You're not to that level. Right. But I think that still puts them above three and yeah, a half. It could it could make them the best of the rest. And I'm absolutely – given the number that you get, I'm going to take the over on this because uh-huh. it's plus 130. Uh, to take the over versus minus one fifty five to take the under. So, you you bet a hundred, you get hundred thirty if you take the over on Colorado. So that combined with I just think they're going to be better too. I'll take that over. I'll take that. I'm look. You get, we can say they went five and seven, didn't have a great year, didn't make bowl game, and still hit the over by a game and a half there. So right. Brooks, what do you got from the bottom half of the league?
3: I'll tell you what, and let me let me preface this. This is not because it's a former Patriots coach. Let me just preface that as not being biased because it's a former okay. Patriots coach. Um, a, a team that I think could uh, could exceed expectations and make a bowl game is Arizona, and I think it would just be to get that sixth win. You saw them. Uh, this is going to be Fish's third year. Jed Fish, uh, his third year there, he went from 1-11 and right. to 5-7 and last year. You look at the schedule this year, I, I can re- see you know right now i think they northern arizona game i think they win that one utep i think they can win that one stanford i think they can beat beat stanford i think they can beat Colorado. you look at last year this is where you start to you start to hunt you, they beat arizona state and so uh, they're they're about even right now they're both you know five and a half and four and a half in the over under so in theory and they beat uh arizona state uh it was at home so it could go either way but i think you could get five there now the 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 sixth win is where we're we're trying to look at look for arizona did pull the upset against ucla last year so they've got it in them to pull off an upset somewhere maybe that uh did i I didn't say maybe that oregon state game maybe that washington state game maybe you can pull an upset there um is it unheard of to say they pull the upset at mississippi state i don't think so I think Will Rogers is is good enough to keep lead that offense to uh, to lead that Mississippi State offense to a win because it, uh, Arizona is uh, much like many Pac-12 teams lacking in the defensive department yeah. that's that's their weak spot 36 this year.
1: and a half points a game last year for Arizona and,
3: allowed. and only three returning starters so maybe that's a good thing yeah. maybe you gave <laughs> up that many points and it's a good thing you're only returning three starters but I'm not going to say it's unheard of that they go and upset Mississippi State in second week I don't think it could ha- I don't think it will happen but I'm not going to say it's unheard of so I, there's there is a sixth win I think somewhere in there and it it could continue Arizona growing a little bit. I think Jet Fish is can can get them to to a bowl game this year.
1: Okay, so you like Arizona in the over. I do like that year to year development. I don't like their schedule because I- anytime you're in the bottom half, and now you're combining, you're playing a nine game schedule, and I guess it's still what is it's still twelve team league, right? Yeah. Um, so you're you're going to have most of the top six, if not all. So for teams like this, it's difficult to say, well, you got Washington, check. You got at, you got USC, check. Oregon State, check. UCLA, check. Utah, check. So you got five of those top six plus the Washington State. So you got six of the top seven. And all those are top plus the Mississippi State game. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Don't know what Mississippi State is going to be like this year. Arizona would really cover that game. I think it would give them a great chance to be bill eligible. But also, you know, Arizona can't count that Colorado game. You can't when your teams like this, it's tough because you can't count those chickens either. Yeah. You know, because what if Colorado's way different? Uh, maybe, maybe it's still fine. I would do like them to beat Arizona State. Arizona State's in a transition period. I know that game's on the road. I know it was close last year. I do like that. But I'll say this for the Mississippi State game. And I know you still think Mississippi State will win that game. If Mississippi State loses that game, oh no. <laughs> Uh, things know. are going to get really bad for State this I don't year. Know. They better they better not lose to Arizona. Uh, week two, that uh, at home no less, in Starkville too. Uh, Mississippi State, I know it was with the late Might Leach, Mississippi State beat Arizona 39-17 to 17 last year. They cannot backtrack by 20-some-odd points to a, a middling Pac-12 team. That would be very problematic how it's going to go for them in the SEC. That is our look at Pac-12 over-unders this year. Excited about...
3: And it was not after dark.
1: Uh, it was not after dark. Excited about to the top of the Pac-12. There's three or four teams that are going to be very interesting this year. I think they've got a little bit more teeth at the top than they've had in your past. You know I loved to rail in the Pac-12. But uh, between USC, Oregon, Washington, maybe even Utah or UCLA, there's some real stuff at the top of that league. We'll see how it all pans out. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we're going to hit up the Auburn Bank phone line one more time. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
1: Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Leroy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday. Starting to get towards the end of this Tuesday edition of the show. So let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally or toll free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward
0: Damn Steve.
1: Retire Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon?
5: Well, it's hot, but it's cool where I'm at. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well. Doing very well.
5: All right. I enjoy your comments about the over and unders. Uh, I haven't listened to the podcast about the SEC over and unders, uh, but I was just looking at uh, some of the really, really low. And you were talking about Arizona and Cal. They both have, according to Vegas Insiders, recent uh, they have a uh, five over and under. So you guys go with the over
1: for Cal or over with Arizona uh well we were we were really more focusing on uh well I think over over for Arizona is what Brooks has got I know we were talking about Colorado before that too because they were at like three and a half and we were taking overs there I don't really have a strong opinion on Cal I think that there was there's reason to think they could get to six and six but I mean I I I think that's more based off their the early years of their current coach and, and I think I I just think that 5 and 7 is probably going to be what Cal finishes up at.
5: Okay. Who, according to Vegas, has the woeful distinction of being the least likely to win maybe any games? What team did they pick? They're at the bottom.
1: Like in the entire country or in the Power 5? The
5: entire country.
1: Wow. Northwestern? UMass? New Mexico State? New. Okay. UNLV.
5: No, go go a little more to the northeast.
1: Northeast.
5: Um,
1: like in not, the... not UConn.
2: Is it? No.
5: Nope, nope. <clears throat> How about a B.G. song that said, "And the lights went out in."
1: I that's, oh, I don't know.
5: Massachusetts.
1: UMass. Oh, you that
5: song? By the BGS number one song, Matthews one and a half guys.
2: did you? then I, I said? UMass. Yeah, Brooks said you miss.
5: Oh, did you? Oh, UMass yeah. okay, one and a half now. Uh, I, I, you know, I I used to get burned quite often with you know, stuff that is it too good to be true. Surely Matthews can win two games, or can they not?
1: I mean, someone's gonna <laughs> have, someone's gonna have to lose a lot. I mean, well, I, you I, you I don't they know don't win much their about first you, game. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, don't win the first one. Yeah. No, I think well, they have the game before year? Auburn, actually, guys. I think.
5: Do you have to know what their record was last year?
1: Uh, not off the top of my head. I'm sure it was bad, too.
5: One and a half. Okay. I mean, it they're was, the winners.
3: It was 1-11 last year. There you it, go. They, It's been 1-11, 2022, 2021, and 2019, and they went 0-4 oh in 2020.
5: Nice. Okay. Surely, surely it's about, it's about time, isn't it, for them to enough, enough? They've got to win two games, right?
3: They've not. got Merrimack on their schedule, so that may That's be the one.
1: That's one. That's one. We'll find them another one. We'll work on it.
5: Okay, I mean, I'm almost tempted, guys, to, to break my non-betting. You Liberty,
1: know, they way. don't have Hugh Freeze anymore. Yeah, they're not going to beat Liberty, but uh, we'll we'll <laughs> okay. find someone else. Merrimack. I mean,
5: this though. is just almost, uh, can, it, can it be that bad? Okay, but then I looked at the SEC teams that we're going to be playing, and you know all the brouhaha and the slobber fest with A&M, well, you know what – the over-and-under is for A&M, right?
1: Was it seven and a half, I think, from yesterday? Seven and a half. Yeah.
5: And was is six and a half or seven, depending on uh, the website. So, apparently, the Vegas, people think we're pretty much even in talent or what? In coaching?
1: I think the seven and a half for a makes a lot of sense. If you look at every team that they've had, they've won eight games except for one year, and that was last year. And so that's what makes it difficult. That's what makes it intriguing. But they typically are... About an eight-win team uh, on average under Jimbo Fisher. I mean, that's, that's about where they've been. And so, obviously, talent-wise and, and from how they've recruited and that sort of thing says they should be better than that, but how they've actually played it on the field, they've not been better than that. So I think that number makes complete sense for a.m.
5: Yeah, except, you know, when you come to Auburn, we're apparently not that much of a uh, underdog because we're only a game behind their over-and-under totals.
1: Oh, for a right? Right, and I mean, Auburn's got a lot of unknowns. Obviously, the Tigers beat A&M last year, but also you've you've got the new coach. You've got a bunch more new, and, and so in theory, A&M should be above Auburn because of Fisher's tenure there, but and in reality, they, they didn't beat them last year, and it's, it's hard to know exactly how fast of a start Hugh Freeze is going to have, and so – uh, I mean, again, I, I think they deserve to be in the same ballpark. I, I do think that. I don't think that they should necessarily be the exact same number. But, I mean, if, if they were, I wouldn't be horrified by it or anything. But I think it's the right ballpark.
5: And then Arkansas. They're over and under seven guys.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm on the ones we had, it was 6.5 because we, we, uh, we grabbed these from about a week or two ago. Uh, okay. and, and also, we wanted to make sure they were always on on the half instead of a hole, because you know betting off a of holes is that's a that's different. Um, I I I think six and a half to seven. Again, that is I, I I didn't when we went through this yesterday, and you'll hear it on the podcast. We, we did not have like any that I recall any like oh my goodness that's just awful. Like I know Tom at first was like whoa Florida's low, and then he then he was thinking about I was like eh. You know, not <laughs> – I can see that and that sort of thing. Because well, I, right. I, I was thinking they still had Anthony Richardson for some dumb reason. <laughs> and uh, so there's a, a lot of teams around that 6.5 number, and it speaks to, you know, how fluid the West is this year and how we've talked about 3 through 7. There's a lot of different outcomes that are possible there. So it, it means there's a lot of teams in that 6-7 win range that could, could explode over but also are going to be – you know, losing to each other and and being just above bowl eligibility and that sort of thing.
5: Well, should I throw that? As this is due to parity, or everybody's so damn bad. The Vegas, you know, just did a coin coin toss because all this seven and a half.
1: I think uh, it's due to the the better programs historically struggling compared to their history and the lesser programs. Uh, overperforming right now, like Auburn. And, Auburn is a better program than the Mississippi schools. They're a better program than Arkansas historically, but Auburn is not playing like Auburn right now. And Texas A&M has a higher ceiling than some of these other schools, and they've recruited better and done all this, but they've not played like it on the field. Whereas Ole Miss and. And Mississippi State, Arkansas, all these teams are usually bottom four, bottom five in the league, and yet they have coaches right now that have been able to elevate them higher than what is typical for them. So I think you're you're just on this teeter-totter right now of the teams that usually would be above those teams like Auburn, A&M, et cetera, and, you know, Florida and the SEC East, for example. They're in transition periods. They're in rebuild periods where these other teams are kind of at the height of where they've been able to get to ever.
5: Okay. Moving on, real quickly, guys, because I know time's almost up here. Uh, tomorrow is the day, right, for Mr. Riddick?
1: Yes, it is. Demarcus Riddick, yeah.
5: Okay. Um, everything I've been reading says nobody knows. Uh, even Christian Clemente, you know, he kind of leaning towards Auburn, but I'd say, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to get my hopes uh, dashed by thinking, you know, we're going to get this guy. Uh, we may be getting played, who knows, but you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, move it on. Uh, what's your guys' uh, thoughts, chances, 50-50 that uh, we get him or Alabama gets them?
2: I, I, I'd, I'd say 50-50 on, on whatever decision he makes. And, and, yeah, it's one of those things. It, it's exciting that you're in the mix for a guy like that to potentially flip, but um, I, I just it's kind of one of those I'm not going to hold my breath. And, and even if he does flip to Auburn, I, I'm still not going to be completely set until he signs. But, uh, you know, I go back and I think about the the wide receiver from Central, uh, the five-star wide receiver. I can't think of his name at the moment, but um, just a few weeks back. Cam Coleman. Cam, Cam Coleman, Coleman. Cam Coleman. Everybody had him crystal ball to Auburn. All the writers had him crystal ball to Auburn. All signs pointed to Auburn. It was yep, going to be Auburn, done, Auburn, 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 Auburn. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, he's like, now I'm going to go to Texas A&M.
5: What the heck? Yeah. So,
2: I don't know. This guy may commit to Texas A&M tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs>
5: Yeah, or you could go to FIU. Um, so, quickly, guys. Beach report says that apparently this year the NFL teams are going retro in their jerseys, back to the old days. Is that right?
1: Yeah, every team's producing a throwback at some point. Yep.
5: Okay, and Tampa Bay, your team, Mr. Ryan Boy, is going to have the classic creamsicle colors.
2: I am very aware. Ryan does not like the
1: creamsicle look. I love it, but Ryan does not
2: like it. Well, it's you, my you team. Do not so. like it.
1: Yeah, uh, you know I. It represents the most losingest organization in the National Football League. And uh, I know that uh, it's, it's cool for a lot of people that uh, obviously were, were watching football at that time. I was born right after that for the most part and, and started following right after that. But uh, I just associate it with losing. And, um, you know, I, I it, look, we, we've made a whole brand out of the red and the pewter and that sort of thing. And uh, I just. Again, I think that's going backwards. It's fine to do for a game. I'm not going to, you know, just be over the top about it. But if that were to become our permanent uniforms, I, again, I would I would be beside myself.
5: So we won't be seeing uh, any photos of you dressed in a Dreamsicle jersey this season?
1: Probably not. No, I'm going to I'm gonna stick to the red, stick to the pewter. Got some lovely Chris Godwin, Mike Evans jerseys to wear, and uh, Devin White and that sort of thing. And, uh... Uh, no, I know if if Brady had played in a creamsicle, then I would have gotten one because you you just kind of have to do that. But um, no, I'm I'm going to stick to the normal stuff.
5: Okay, move on real quickly, guys. Yeah, and last thing for Steve. Yep. Another suspension in the NFL, right? Broncos. I can't spell his name. E, e Ioma, who was a suspended indefinitely for violating NFL's gambling po- policy. Here we go again, right?
1: Yeah, it's been very unfortunate that it keeps leaking one or two more penalties here every every couple of weeks in the league.
5: And finally, golfer Justin Doden admits to cheating on his scorecard. The PGA Tour Canada's Ottawa Open. How about that one? Oh, I didn't see that. Him. Yes, they caught him at it. His colleagues because he asked his caddy, "Let me uh, relook at uh, the scorecard," and he changed it. Yeah, I, I didn't see it.
1: it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's rough.
5: Because so, he says, "I'm embarrassed." You know, I should not have done it. But the thing is, see, he didn't voluntarily say, "You know, I did it. I should have done it." It was only because he got caught that he's now regretting. Yeah, you know, I think he got. Yeah, you know, I think he's embarrassed because he got caught, not because yeah, he really shouldn't have done that. But here we go. Uh, does that happen very often, guys? That people do this of the PGA tour? Do you have no.
0: I mean, it's ext- being
2: extremely, seating? extremely rare. Like. Yeah. That golf in the professional level, and this is from a guy that has played a lot of tournament golf. It is truly a gentleman's game. Um, you you see it time and time again where where golfers call out their own penalty strokes. I mean, if they if they move the ball, they're like, "Uh oh, I moved. I accidentally moved the ball," and they'll call themselves on it. it it's cheating in golf like that. It's something that the drunk guys do out on the on the course with their blue jeans and their tank tops. But when you get into like the big time competitive golf, it is a true gentleman's game. You don't cheat. You report your own uh, fouls and mistakes and things like that, and you don't screw around with your scorecard.
5: Well, here's what they found. They did real quickly. He found they found his players, his partners, that the seven from his 18th hole uh, putting had been erased and replaced with a five.
1: Huh.
2: And so that's yeah. How yeah, if you're court. gonna cheat, you gotta cheat a little better than that.
5: Yeah. I mean did did do you really think he wouldn't get caught? I mean that it was just he, he, he didn't make the cut because of that. Uh so that's right. that's what happened. But uh you think they'll ban him for a few games for the
2: season? I I don't know if they'll ban him for the season. I, I don't see I don't know how the PGA comes down on punishments like that. 'Cause it, it uh, happens because so rarely. They're right, exactly. It's it's kind of unprecedented. That's why I was saying Dick, you're asking, does this happen? It's like no, this doesn't happen. I mean, I I have never heard of this, so I don't know how the PJ is going to react to it, honestly. All right, Steve,
1: we got to let you go today. We Okay.
5: Hey, thank you guys always for letting me have a few uh, rambling, uh, nonsense comments. So with that, have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll see if we can make some sense later tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys.
1: War Eagle, Steve. That is War Wardame Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Only a minute or two left in the show. Time for a nightly TV
0: guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by
1: White Claw, Hard Seltzer. Brooks, real quickly, what do we got?
3: Uh, movie pick for tonight. Only one movie pick for you. It's a family movie. It's Cloudy with a chance of meatball, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. That's just every single night, I think, apparently, that's going to be on TV. So there's your movie pick for the evening. Sports pick for you tonight, 6 o'clock on TBS. The Subway Series is back. The New York Mets visit the New York Yankees. Also 6 o'clock on ESPNU, some Northwoods League Baseball as Great Lakes East takes on Great Lakes West. This is some fun baseball for you. Also 6 o'clock ESPN, WNBA action tonight as the Las Vegas Aces visit the Chicago Sky. And then some soccer action for you tonight. 7.30 7.30 FS1, it's Liga's Cup. Santos Laguna, out of Liga MX, takes on Houston Dynamo. And then at 9.30 on FS1, LA Galaxy takes on Lyon. And then, of course, 9.25 tonight on ESPN. It's some club-friendly soccer as Manchester United takes on Wrexham AFC. That's right, Ryan Reynolds' team is in the U.S. playing Manchester United. And, of course, the Braves back in action tonight in just a couple of minutes. 6-10 first pitch between the Braves and the Red Sox. Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves. That is on Valley Sports South. And that... This is your Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer.
1: Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and uh, thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again later this week.
3: See ya, Cluck up.
1: And Tom Peavy, <laughs> thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll see you on the show tomorrow. I'll see you here in a couple of hours. I'm I know. I'm just for the field, sake man. of our listener. Yeah, I'll see you again tomorrow. Wink, wink. And, of course, Thunder Chicken softball coming up tonight. We'll tell you about how bad those losses are for us tomorrow <laughs> and uh, give you a recap of that as well as some Big Ten over-under win totals. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.